blood, this is for the tears, this is for my pain and my plight Two walk in, but only one of us is walking out of here tonight I'm a survivor Fight for my life Come on, be stronger I will arise I'm a survivor Fight for my life Come on, be stronger What is up, people? This is Variety Bites. I am Sean Williams, joined, of course, by the one and only T5 himself, Travis. He fell into a burning ring of fire. He went down, 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 and the flames went higher. Smith. Yeah, I had to go get some ice. Johnny Cash reference. You're welcome, people. I got to tell you, man. Oh, man, I got to tell you, I've been waiting all week to talk about this one as we talk about wrestling because double or nothing, good Lord. I don't remember the last last time I watched a wrestling pay-per-view and felt like I truly got my money's worth down to the letter. But this pay-per-view was fantastic. Dude, it was so, it was, a, it was fun. It was, it's, man, it's what, it's what you want in the pay-per-view. It was fun, man. Yeah. Like, you start, you get, you pay your money's worth, you're like, oh, man, it's how much money? Urgh. And then you start watching, you're like, damn, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was not, I won't say it was flawless. It wasn't without cert- some flaws. But right. it, you and I both agreed on a scale of one to ten, it's a solid nine and a half. Mm-hmm. And where we du- where we deduct the point, people, some of the matches could have been trimmed down a little bit in terms of time. Yeah, that was that was my biggest gripe, if any, if any. It was like it started to get you know some of the matches started to drag on a little bit. You're like, okay, this is awesome. Now you know, bring it on home. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> yeah. You think it's about to end? Oh, he about to pin him. He about to... Oh, he kicked out. He kicked out. Like, damn, bitch, we kick out one more time. <laughs> right. And you know, the the Bucks versus Mox and Kingston, man, they had to beat Mox into unconsciousness to win that match. They had to make you, hey, he's going to be off TV for a while. We got to kill him. <laughs> I mean, God, what, four or five BTE triggers? Ooh, we understand you were tough. Some SOB, but dude. Ain't nobody getting up from that. Nerp. <laughs> but, huh. I wouldn't go as far as to say the Bucks beat Mox and Kingston. <laughs> they survived them. Because they barely got by the skin of their teeth beating those two. Yeah, because just when you thought, oh, man, they done crippled Kingston. He's back in. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, they done tri- crippled Moxley. He's back in. Yep. And, man, could Jungle Boy be any more over? See, not if you had a slingshot. Man, that crowd was loving him. 
Hell yeah, boy, but over like Rover. Yep, and I guarantee you if Christian eliminated him, then that crowd would have eaten Christian alive. That's the, fun, that's the first thing I was thinking about when it got down to them two. I was like, oh, hell. You heard them groaning. I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what you want to do? Because a lot of people like felt before they knew that Jungle Boy was going to be one of the final two or three, they felt like, you know, everybody going in felt like, well, Christian's probably going to be the odds on favorite. Yeah. Then when it got down to like, you know, maybe four or three, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Christian's winning this. Christian's winning this. But then you got down to him, Jungle Boy, and Matt Hardy, and you was like, ooh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Especially when they started groaning and stuff, you was like, oh, hell. They know Christian winning this, but Jungle Boy's still in it, and they ain't go, the Ranger isn't going to like this, Yogi. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I got to give credit also to Sheeta and Britt Baker because they put on a show. Ooh, that was a grand match. Yeah, and if you needed any further proof that Britt Baker was ready, this was her time, that match was it. It was, man. I like when uh, Sheeta tried to put on the lockjaw. Yeah. <laughs> like, hell no. Oh, that's my move. <laughs> yep, that ain't gonna fly. The only match that I didn't care for, but now I'm finding out, nobody cared for it, was the Cody match. Yeah, basically, that's like odds-on consensus that everybody can agree with. Nobody was feeling the Cody uh, uh, a go-go match. No. It's the story, the match, nobody really f was invested in it. Like, you could tell, like, the Nightmare Factory split, like, on Dynamite. Right. That's one of those stories you can just leave on Dynamite. Yep. And do that and do it like that. Like, they had a road match um, on um, on Dynamite. As far as the whole America versus Britain thing, oh, my God, we've done that. We've been there before. Yeah, it's stale. It's old. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's nothing against Cody. Look, the crowd loves him. That ain't changing. It's just, we don't, we're not invested in that story. Mm -mm. But I tell you, if there's one thing I can take out of the triple threat match, we knew Kenny was walking out still the champ. Man, Orange Cassidy is going to be a future player for that company. Yeah, like it's not his time right now, but dude. If anybody feels like, man, he don't need to be nowhere near the main event picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dude can go, bro. He may be a comedy act, but the dude can go. Right. And in the stadium stampede match, man. I think they surpassed the last one. Now, see, I knew it was going to be different. I knew it was going to have so much comedy and stuff like that. It had some good pops in there, like the stuff in the in, in the club with uh, FTR and um and uh, Tully and uh, Santana. Santana and Ortiz mm -hmm. and, and, and and Conan popping up in the yeah, <laughs> I love that. They had some good they had some good pops in there. That was pretty cool, but you know they didn't they didn't make it overly mm -hmm. comedic like right. the last one. It, it it was a fight. 
You know, these two teams don't like each other. You can't get along. You got to get it on. Mm-hmm. They were scrapping. Putting people through glass, busting people, you know, busting the crap out of each other. You know, they was going to war. So I appreciate that part. You know, they, they, they sling. I, I felt they was going to sling back on the comedy, so that was cool. Yeah. And having Sammy come out the hero, winning it for the inner circle, that Sammy became a star that night. Yes, indeed. I mean, and how the crowd was singing along to Judas, and you could, Jericho couldn't stop smiling. He was loving every second, performing in front of a crowd Hell again. Hell yeah, because that's what, that's, what, that's what they missed so much mm-hmm. from, from Jump Street, was having the crowds. Even when they was healed, and the, the crowd was singing along with Judas and stuff. Yep. And then... <laughs> To have the crowd back, especially at full capacity and stuff, mm-hmm. it was red hot like that. And to start off from the stadium all the way back to Daly's place in the live crowd, mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh shit, we're getting more!" Like, "Yeah, we're getting more." Hold on, we gotta finish this. And to have Sammy come out on top as the hero, you know, getting his redemption and everything—that was live. I liked that. Yeah, but oh man, that entrance for the inner circle. Dude, <laughs> I'm sitting there like, man, what the hell's going on? And they start repelling down. I was like, hell no, nah, y'all wild. Man, I felt like, I felt like, I was like, am I watching a Call of Duty movie or something like that? Because damn. But, in Urban Meyer's little cameo when Jericho's beating down MJF. That was dope. And as they're, as they're passing him, he just, holy shit. Oh, man. And Jericho saying, good luck this season. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the, the inner circle, they're red hot right now. It would it would have been a poor decision to split them up right now. But the match was outstanding. It definitely was worthy of closing the night. And it did one of the key things, with it, especially with a show like this. Leave... Let the crowd leave happy. Most definitely. They did they leave happy. Mm-hmm. Shit, you not only did your team win, but you left home singing along, red hot, high five other cats. It's what is what, you know, we missed having crowds and stuff. Yep. You know, everybody was happy, everybody was locked, everybody was into it, man. You saw the emotion from the the, the wrestlers, you saw the emotion from the crowd. That's what we and then folks at home, you're like, man, I wish I was there. That's what we all miss, man. That's what we all like to see. I was happy for the cats out there when I was sitting at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. I was happy for all of them. <clears throat> yeah. And, of course, Mark Henry, now part of All Elite. None of us saw that one coming. Magic E-Ball did not see that one coming. Yeah. And... Uh, and of course, the yeah, the typical marks complain, not just about that, but also about Sting getting the win over Ethan Page and Scorpio Scott for his team. Look, they gave Sting a win, not the goddamn world title. And no, this is my thing. For one, I don't know what the hell they complain about Mark here, for because right off the jump. They're, the thing about AEW is they're not oblivious to the internet cats. 
Right. So they automatically knew what the complaint was going to be. So right off the jump, when they announced Mark Henry, they announced what his position his position was going to be. Exactly. So, so I don't know why y'all. Oh man. For what? They just told you what the dude was going to be there for. And the only reason you can misconstrue that is if you're like a super diehard WWE mark that don't can't be reasoned with. Like, you can't be reasoned with at all. That's the only way you can misconstrue that. There is no way. Like, if somebody tells you the sky is blue, you say, no, it's not. It's urge. That's the only way you can misconstrue that. So I'm cool with him, you know, because he has a good, he has a great personality for on air. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a good coach. He can coach the dudes, the uh, some of the big guys in the back, you know, help them put together matches and stuff. Dove out years of experience. The dude was with WWE when it was WWF. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's how young he was when he, when he joined with them, with the nation. Right. So, I mean, dude, he has years of experience on camera, behind the scenes. And that's what he wanted to do with WWE, but they didn't want to give him an office job. Yeah. They just wanted him to be a legend and pop up every now and then, and that sort of deal. He was like, nah, man, I want to do more. I want to help cats out. So, he left. Vince was cool with it. He left. So now he's doing exactly what he wanted to do with WWE, except he's doing it in AEW. Exactly. The same with Paul White. Mm-hmm. I was about to. I was about to say that. And both, like Paul White especially, dude seems happy doing what he's doing with AEW. Right. They both wanted to do more. They're like, okay, we're not gonna do some angry stuff. We want to do some stuff behind the scenes. We want to pay it forward. We want to help. You know, pass on some of this information, some of this uh, mentorship, you know, to the young cats. Because they know AEW has a lot of indie dudes that have not been in front of the camera before. And they have a lot of, you know, hey, you can match this way, and you could do this this way. And they're receptive to that because they grew up watching these two. Yep, exactly. And also, Mark Henry's got a good eye for, for talent also when he's allowed allowed the chance to do so. I mean, Braun Strowman was an example, and he spoke very highly of Keith Lee. Yeah, he helped helped find Bianca Belair, too. Yep, exactly. So, I like this decision. Right, so I'm like, I don't know what all the way, way, all that, who is this is for anyway? And, um, what was the other I said about Sting being the one to get the win oh, for his team. Okay, dude, for one, Scorpio Sky and and Ethan Page were not getting hurt by this. No. And, and for one, they, man, they were over the moon to be in the ring with Sting. That was that was Scorpio Sky's, like, like childhood fantasy right there. And I, I was happy for him. Yeah. I was happy for both of them. They got some air time. They put help put uh, Sting and uh, Darby Allen over, and it was a good match. And Sting, man, Sting was doing some stuff. He was like, bro, yeah, he just wanted to see you a drop kick, Scorpion death drop, Scorpion death lock, and stuff. Stinger splash, you out here 
diving crossbody and stuff, bro. I'm like, dude, we get it. You're back. Yep. <laughs> get it, dude. All right. So, man, the match was tight. I liked it, man. Sting, Sting popped up. Some, some surprise moves and stuff. Darby Allen was freaking Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. We tell him, please don't kill yourself. The new thing is going to be, please don't die. Please don't die. Exactly. <laughs> And, you know, Sting, people forget, Sting has always been a guy that's put the business first over putting himself over. He's always been that guy. And, look, the better business move, you, you back, you're back in front of a live crowd. People, a live crowd has not seen Sting in, in years. And having mm-hmm. him get the win was the right decision. And now look at the story they're telling Hey, you got the win. Great, whatever. But can you do it by yourself, Darby? Now he has Darby speechless. He yeah. couldn't say anything. Yep. So now you've got a new story you got to tell. It's further and along. That's what I love about them. They think about stuff, man. Yeah. They think ahead of time. This one, we're like, oh, man, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They already thought about what they're gonna do. They had they, they got the win on um, double or nothing to further this storyline. Right. Now Darby has to prove that he can win without Sting. Right. And you you brought up the best point. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, they looked up to Sting. You think they're gonna complain about putting him over? They t- they consider it it's an honor for them to be in the ring with him. And they know that. They got mad respect for a guy like Sting. So they, mm-hmm. they're not going to complain. Yeah. And like you said, first and foremost, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky are going to be just fine. This does not derail them at all. So all to all the marks, knock it off. But, oh man, so from from uh, Double or Nothing to uh, Dynamite, Andrade has now arrived in AEW. Dude, I had to literally rewind my TV because I thought I was tripping. Yeah. I had my headphones on and stuff, and the match had just ended, and it came back with commercial. They had Mark Henry coming. I was like, all right, cool. Let me take my Mark. Mark Henry about to come out and everything. And I turned my attention for a little bit for something. And I turned, I kind of caught the corner of the TV. And I saw the timeout. Is that a drive? Hold the hell up. We won. Bro, you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That man, bro. I did not see that one coming. Yeah, and you know, I saw like arguments between people of another, another got another reject from WWE, blah blah blah. I'm like, hey, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing when they get the good ones that WWE wasted away. Who, whoever said that need to check their life. Yeah, <laughs> they need a life coach. Need a life coach for real. This dude was hella touted before he went to WWE. Right. Everybody was hyped for him in WWE. When he was in NXT, 
He put on great matches. When he was on the main roster, everybody was hyped for him. I want to see him in the Intercontinental uh, title title picture. I want to see him in the United States title picture. Ah, I want to see him in the title picture. Everybody was hyped for him, and they just they didn't do nothing. Nope. So now that he's gone and everything, oh, I want to see him here. I want to see him there. Everybody was hyped to see where he was going to land at. And when he went to Triple A, everybody was like, ooh, you think you're going to challenge Kenny Triple A Mega Championship? Ah, do you want better? We're going to put him on AEW. Yep. <laughs> so anybody who's wilding about, oh, they got another double double y'all need to stop. Y'all, y'all showing y'all colors, man. Stop that. Y'all showing that tribalism BS that I always talk about. Stop that. Yeah, that... And hey, I, like I said, that it's not a bad thing when they get the good ones. And Andrade is a talent. And this is coming from somebody who I'll admit in NXT, I wasn't immediately on board with him. When he put, when he took the title from Drew McIntyre, and all I could think was why. But then I started watching him do more matches, especially against Gargano, and I was like, man, this guy's got my attention. Mm-hmm. And then you when he went, he's gonna be in, he's gonna be in there, and you're like, man, this is a huge get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, and they actually let him use the microphone for a change. Something WWE <laughs> sucked everybody at. Everybody I was talking with, everybody I was talking with was like, oh my god, he can use the microphone. Yep. <laughs> Basically, think of Alberto Del Rio, except. More skill, more talented, and and uh oh yeah, no police record. Ooh. Yeah, I I went there, but but yeah, I mean that. So I'm happy with this move. I like how the the inner circles promo now it's kind of a divide and conquer with the pinnacle. Hager going after Wardlow, all for it. Santana and Ortiz going after. Going after FTR, definitely yes, for it, and Jericho gunning for MJF's head. Right, they're like, and they then they give you the re- they're like, dude, just because we won Stadium Stampede doesn't mean we're done with y'all. Yep, y'all tried to take our careers, y'all tried to take food out our our, our family mouth. We was angry, man. Y'all tried to end us. Nah, nah man. It's- not over till y'all done. Yep. It's not over till we say y'all done. So they're, they're just they're explaining to you why we're still going after them. We gotta go past them. Like uh, Santana said, we gotta go past y'all every day in the back. And y'all still here. Mm-hmm. Got a point. Yeah. Like I always say, make it make sense. And it does. Make it make sense. They all made it make sense. Yep. Hey, as long as yeah, as long as the pinnacle is still breathing, it ain't over between them and the inner circle. Word. And it's like Jericho said, the inner circle never forgets, and they damn sure never forgive. Hell no, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, so I I'm anxious to see that that storyline continue. And man, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like whoever comes out of FTR. And Santana Ortiz can be the next challenger for the Young Bucks or whoever 
the uh, tag team champions are. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that. Yeah, because remember, we don't know what's going to happen with Eddie Kingston and Pac. Right, that's another thing. Yep. Eddie Kingston comes out here and makes the save the Pentagon. Yep. Or Penta Elevator. And, mm-hmm. and they're like, man, I don't know, man. Then they go backstage and uh, they're talking to uh, Eddie. And Penta and uh, Pac roll up like, hey, we don't need your help, bro. You know, you know what time of day it is, and Eddie's like, "Hey, the friend of my friend, dude. Think about it." It walks off. Yeah, or actually, Man. I think it, actually, I think it was the enemy of my enemy. Yeah, the enemy, the enemy of my enemy. Yep. Sorry about that. Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, bro." So you're like, "Yeah, man." Yeah. He's like, hey, they they make shit. They're not. The thing about it is, they don't. In they don't in. So our intelligence. Yeah. They know we remember Eddie and uh Death Triangle feuding beefing. Mm-hmm. Especially what you know Eddie tried to do with Phoenix and Penta. So they remember that. So they make sure that we know that they know. <laughs> All right. Right. And so they're put they're putting that out there right there in front street. Right. Hey, we don't. We still don't see eye to eye and everything. I know you remember what I did, but we got bigger fish to fry. Right. And Britt Baker's promo as a champ. Oh man, that girl is fire. My goodness. I loved it. Yeah. You you remember? This is what I love. Oh, sorry, what? I was just gonna say. Let, remember when she first cut a heel promo, and we were just like. What the fuck? Man, she has come a long way since then. What a difference a day makes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, straight up. Like, straight up. Like, she's come a long way. Because look how this one started off. Oh, guess what, everybody? I got you all hamburgers. Look at you see these freaking coupons. Get all. Oh, I'm sorry. The coupons are right here, and they're all mine. Oh, man. <laughs> she played everybody to yeah. the left. They thought they were getting... I can't I can't outdo Christian. He got y'all all t-shirts, but I got you hamburgers. And he thought, she thought everybody thought they was getting free cheeseburgers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> she got the whole thing on the plate. She still got the coupons. She's like, y'all didn't get these dang coupons. Y'all wasn't rolling with me. Y'all don't deserve these. I'm like, I love it. Man. I, I, love, I love it. I love it. I said, that was so heel. That was so heel. It ain't funny. Mm-hmm. And he got Nyla Rose pissed off at her. Or just annoyed. One of the two. Dude, the whole time, when they, first, when they first got in the ring, and I saw who all was in the ring, I saw, okay, Nyla Rose is in the ring. But... You know, when Nyla Rose, she wants to be champion. I'm like, would she really be in the ring with her? And they, once again, not insulting our intelligence, making it make sense. Mm-hmm. Right there at the end of that promo, the celebration, about to, you know, eat cheeseburgers. She just walks up, knocks down cheeseburgers up there, and leaves and starts popping balloons. And she's not happy. Mm-hmm. She is not happy. Nope. Okay. <laughs> they, I was like, 
Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yep. This this is gonna spark a a fire for the women's division for AEW, and I'm all for it. Most definitely, this is what you want. Yep. This is what you want. You want some fire, some sad. That's what, this is exactly what we've been missing for the longest, and I'm here for this. Like I said, they I love how they just turned it around and made it made the hell sense. Yeah. Like just like because I could if they wouldn't have did nothing, I would have shrugged it off. Like like at first I noticed she was in the ring, but then all the focus is on Brit. So I'm like, okay, forget about it. But they made made they made sure to include her. And she just comes out and air, knocks the cheeseburgers over and gets pissed off and you're like, Oh yeah, I love I like how y'all did that. Yep. And can we just say how freaking good is Miro? Dude, he looks like a freaking champion. Mm-hmm. That backstage promo was tough, man. He looked like a freaking champ. He put that belt on his shoulder. He was just like, Urgh. and I was like, so you don't even say nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. He's now like one of those guys. Like, who's gonna stop him? Who the hell be crazy enough to even try? Right, like that win against Lance did exactly what it needed to mm-hmm. do. It made him into an even bigger monster. Yeah. Everybody had their misgivings and stuff when he was doing the best friend video game loving ha ha he stuff with Kip. Yeah. When he turned on him, it was off to the races. Go, man, go. Yeah. And man, that match that double or nothing, two big hoss, big hoss battle. Yeah. More power. Rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> <laughs> that was everything. That was everything right there. So, man, I can't wait to see what they do next with, with Miro, man. That chant and that TNT title. Yep. I tell you, man, when I said last episode, I'd said if I was refereeing that match, I'd ring the bell, run out of the ring, and just hide behind the barricade. Call the match from okay. there. Wait for it. Run out the ring, slide out the ring. Okay, ring the bell. <laughs> but, you know, when he threw the bag with the quote-unquote snake in it, I just thought, I hope PETA doesn't go suing somebody over this. <laughs> Man, you know PETA goes nuts for stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> it's like, oh, God, it's Damien all over again. I wasn't too worried about whether or not they had a, a real snake in there. Absolutely. I wasn't worried about dead Peter. Yeah. <laughs> what, wait, who did what? Yeah. On where? Which channel is that? Yep. I <laughs> just saw. Let me go see. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh god, there's a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, which channel is that? <laughs> I'm looking at right now. I'm watching. In the bag? No. They better not. <laughs> oh, man. It reminds me of when on uh, Something to Wrestle that co- um, that they were talking about um, the earthquake versus Jake Roberts angle. And, and they were saying how or it was said to Bruce, you know what? I'm, ho- I'm hoping that... Uh, PETA didn't come after you guys. And he goes, oh no, they did. 
Like, they didn't even show it. They cut away from Earthquake landing on the bag. And every time, like, when... So you never even saw it. You cut to where he was sitting on it. But still, PETA threw a fit. Oh, man. PETA, I love PETA. Yeah. <laughs> man. And this one, they didn't even let you know if they had a snake in the damn bag or not. They didn't even get, the, get that far. Nope. That could have been a bag of clothes. Yeah. Straight up. Well, it wasn't even about the tempt Tony Khan was not about the tempt Right. Well, even with um, in the earthquake, Jake Roberts angle, there wasn't Damien wasn't in that bag. There was no snake in that. But nobody else knew that. So of course there, so of course that just led to the speculation. But you know when we talked about how fire Britt Baker was with her promo. Well, I guess in this case it's like girlfriend, like boyfriend, because. Adam Cole's promo on Karrion Cross. I was loving every second of that on NXT. Oh, jeez, dude. This dude. Bro. Because when you come back, you don't just come back. Mm -hmm. You gotta come and steal the show. <laughs> yep. I mean... You gotta do it all one... You gotta do it 100. Forget 100. Yeah. You can't have to do it all 1,000. Oh, yeah. first of all, you come interrupt the back. Mm -hmm. All right, cool, square. This dude cuts a, not fire, a fire promo on Kerry Cross to his face. Yeah, and I love where he said, they, they give you a bunch of smoke, music, and a girlfriend to make you special. All they need to make Adam Cole special is to hey, ring the damn the bell. bell. I'm like, oh, man. I dropped my damn remote. He didn't drop the mic, but I dropped the remote for him. That was cold-blooded. Oh, that was just nuclear hot right there. That was freaking Three Mile Island. I mean, man. Uh-uh, I said, hell no, boy. You need to go sit down. You need to go sit down, bro. You out here killing him. I said, you killed him, bro. Oh, no. That was, that was dope. Yeah, I mean, he. this is why I've said time in and time out, Adam Cole is freaking money. Mm -mm. I mean, he is too damn good. It's like coming to America. He has his own money. <laughs> yep. He has his own money. <laughs> and the whole... My, my girl's got a belt, so you know I need one. I'm like, man. Oh, the... Uh-uh, bros. I can't mess with this dude. No. And you know, I know that in your house it's going to be a Fatal Five-Way. Honestly, screw the Fatal Five-Way. I want those two one-on-one. -on -one. I wasn't sure how I felt originally... Like, before this, I was like, yeah, I don't know about putting Adam Cole against Karrion Cross. Now, I want it. I just want, I'm kind of with you on this one. I just want to see them two go back and forth. Because you know Karrion, bruh, he felt some sort of way when, um, when Escobar mentioned him. Just mentioning him. Mm-hmm. You you know this dude gotta be hot now. Oh, yep. this dude came in my face, like I'm not the champ, 
and disrespecting me and my woman? Hell no, get me in. He, he immediately, immediately went to Regal. Yeah. I, I want him in it. Uh-uh, hell no, put him in it. Yeah. Put him in too. Yeah, I want I want Cross to retain, and then you put those two one on one because that program is gonna be straight up fire. Flames, Human Torch, flame on. Mm-hmm. I never thought I like like I said originally I was I was skeptic about the idea of that match. Adam Cole basically sold me on it. He made me want that match. Look, this is the thing, man. Let me tell you a little secret. I'm going to tell all you folks out there a secret, too. NXT, they make you care about the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Oh, shocking, isn't it? Yeah, especially if you go by the main roster and how many people they freaking cut this week. They make you care about the, the wrestlers. It's a funny idea, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it you is. You care now, don't you? You see Adam Cole come up, step up the cross. Now you want to see that match, don't you? Yep. <laughs> and elsewhere with NXT, so it looks like Cameron Grimes and LA Knight is set for In Your House. Yeah, I don't think it gets to be a lower insult for LA Knight than to lose to Jake Atlas. Yeah, I don't want I don't want them trading losses and stuff like that. I kind of want somebody to, to do some winning. Yeah, but I'm just saying. I guess that that's pretty much the ultimate blowback for Cameron Grimes is having LA is making LA Knight lose to Atlas. Yeah. But I tell you, Bronson Reed squashing Escobar at during uh, MSK's match against. Against uh, Escobar's boys, that was just yeah. hilarious, dude. Like, <clears throat> dude, I was already down for Legado del Fantasma and MSK. All right, cool. You already got me. But then you got Escobar chilling on chilling outside the whole time. But then he gets up, he starts doing the heel stuff. Ooh, somebody's got to stop this guy. Into our new our new champ, Bronson Reed. And he just comes out of nowhere off camera and sandwiches this dude. <laughs> yeah. Bro. It's based it was cold for him. It just happened out of nowhere. He just comes out of nowhere off camera and sandwiches old boy against that glass and I was dying. Yep. Dude. Was... I was dying. <clears throat> that was a fun match already a fun match you add that part into there that was cold-blooded yep. i would die like the rest of the night i hadn't seen anything that funny since keith lee catapulted adam cole into the crowd yeah when he hit him with that pulse and knocked him like the next <laughs> he knocked him into the next zip code yep and i mean the way that escobar went down after he got flattened by bronson it was like he got squashed and it was like good night and then just fall flip for face Dude, forward. That reminded, me, that reminded me of Ninja Turtles uh uh two secret of the ooze mm-hmm. where they did the four uh the four shells. Oh yeah, on Tatsu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 
Or it was very much reminiscent of any time the coyote got hit by a train or a truck that he thought was the roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just see Bronson running towards him. You just hear, uh, uh, crunch. Yeah, I'm like, oh, man. Somebody's gonna need have somebody's gonna need the jaws of life just to pry just to pry Escobar off the ground. Mm-hmm. Somebody get that man, somebody fan him. Somebody, <laughs> somebody fan that dude. Somebody get an air pump. Just, oh man, that was great. Yeah. But I tell you, I'm all I'm loving Bronson as the North American champion and I'm still loving MSK as the as the tag champs. Yeah, man, like I said before. NXT makes you care about these these cats. Like, I like how they built up Bronson Reed. I like how they built up MSK. I wasn't too happy with them winning at first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because I felt like, hey, you already gave a Dusty Cup. I mean, you know, let somebody else get the tag champs. But, you know, them as tag champs has been working, especially uh, working with Bronson Reed against a guy with, uh all right, cool. That makes sense. Because now you're moving um, Escobar from the cruiserweight division up a notch. So it makes sense. And now you're making us care about all six of these cats. Mm-hmm. Great. That's a win. Same thing with um, with uh, L.A. Knight and um, Cameron Grimes. And Cameron Grimes. Dude, you made that promo last week. You made us actually care about Cameron Grimes and this whole thing. At first, it was just, you know, funny. You know, when Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Punk Punk uh, popping up and, you know, undermining and outshining uh, Cameron Grimes. But then, because that promo, you're like, wow. I kind of actually want to see this. You're making us care about it. That's the whole point. I'll that's, get... the, that's the magic of NXT. So you, you may have folks like say like, oh, this gimmick doesn't, it only work in NXT. It only work in NXT. Dude, the same people that watch Monday Night Raw should be the same people that's watching NXT. It's WWE. Yep. And I'll give you another example of one that NXT makes me care about. I actually want to see the Zia Lee versus Mercedes Martinez match. Right? Because it's interesting. You're like, hmm, I wonder what this is. Ooh, you got Mark. You in trouble. <laughs> yep. Those, those two are going to go to war. You're making us care. Yep. That's going to be warfare with those two. But, I, <clears throat> and... Like, yeah, like all them promos they did with her, like the... The, 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 uh, the, the training footage and everything mm-hmm. is paid off because now you're like, okay, I want to see what kind of direction they're going with yep. her now. Yeah, I mean, all we got is, bitch, you've gone crazy. <laughs> but, I, I mean, after seeing Mercedes Martinez and Raquel Gonzalez tear each other apart, now these two, I'm all on board for it. Mm-hmm. Because Mercedes Martinez, to me right now, is very much like Pete Dunne in the sense she does not have a bad match in her. Nope, and she brings the best out of her home. Exactly. So, I'm looking forward to this. But, you know, 
I've tr I've had I've had several days to think about the the names that WWE cut this week. And you know, look, the last I mean, according to Alistair Black, he's saying it was budget cuts. But I'm like, yeah, you know, of all the people you cut, why these? I mean, so it's create like the releases you did just create such a mess. I mean, Braun Strowman, you've had him, you had him in a, you had him in the world title picture just last month or two months ago. You had him in a profile match at Mania, if you even want to call it that. Alistair Black, you were building him in a pro program with Big E, and now that's scrapped. And one of the actual legit tag teams for the women's division you had, the Riot Squad, you've now destroyed it. And also, you split when Lana finally had something going with her and Naomi, you split that up too. What the hell? It makes absolutely no damn sense. The stuff, some of it was like budget stuff, and some of it was kind of like left hand don't know what the right hand doing. Like you have creative WWE creative, and then you have WWE financial front office stuff. Left and right hand, left hand don't know what the right hand doing. So of course you're gonna cut somebody. You got them in the middle of a damn, the beginning of a damn program with with your uh, with one of your top stars. That makes a hundred percent sense. We just sat here and made all these promos, put all this work into the promos, artwork and all this stuff in the promos. Then we go ahead and debut the dude back in his new with his new stuff. Just for you to cut him the week later. Makes a hundred percent sense to me. <laughs> and, th and this is the same guy that months ago wanted out after you fired his wife. Hmm. It's like if hmm. you it, <clears throat> if you were that if you were so hell bent on keep if this was eventually your goal, why didn't you just cut him loose then? Because left hand don't know what the right hand is doing. The part that wanted to keep him was the left hand. Mm -hmm. That's Vince in them. That's creative. The right hand is financial front office cats. That's Nick Khan. Mm -hmm. That's the dude who did most of the cutting because of budgets. That's the right hand. Left hand wanted to keep him. Right hand wanted to cut him. Right hand wins. I never thought so I would... So you have the left hand... <clears throat> We had the left hand put in all this work to revamp his his uh, character because, air quotes, allegedly, they didn't get the Alistair Black character. So they had nothing for him to do for months and months. So they had to rework it. So the left hand put in all this work to finally revamp his character and debut it on SmackDown. But you got the right hand. He's over here making these cuts. It's time to make these cuts. It's time to make the shareholders feel secure and put some money back in my pockets. Because I'm about to buy this million-dollar mansion, you know, off camera. 
and right hand goes ahead and how's the black? Didn't he want to leave a couple of months ago? Great. Gone. Slash. He ain't doing nothing. Well, well, right? Well, right hand? We, we just sunk all this money into this this character and what that got to do with me? Yep. You told me I'm doing my job. I'm just doing my job. Slash. And you know, that's what it comes down what it comes down to. And Conrad Thompson on Bischoff's podcast, I think Bischoff was talking about that, it, where he said that Vince's job is still the shareholders. That if they're not making, that if they're not making, if a guy's not making them money, they're gone. That he has, he now has people he has to answer to. Instead of where it that wasn't an issue. Now you got shareholders you have to appease. Yep, when he wakes up in the morning, that's still his job. To take care of these shareholders and stuff. So when you start making cuts, the first name on there was Braun Strowman. Why? Yep. Because he's making like a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody really makes that damn much money. Unless you like John Cena or somebody crazy. Guarantee he's they'll not, end up somewhere else. The then, yeah, that too. Then he's not even one of the champions. Yeah. He's made, he was making that money. They made that, They gave him that contract in what? 2019? Mm-hmm. So that's when he was red hot. Yeah. he had all kinds of other plans and stuff. But of course, we all know what happened. You know, Brock happened. Yep. So... Next day, you know, he's kind of yeah, kind of slinked back. They, they put him they put him in the program, beat Goldberg, yada, yada, yada. But by that time, he was already too late. Yeah, and let's you not know, forget. All that, all that flame, all that flame he, he, had, he had gathered up. Oof. Gone. And let's not forget the reason he was put in that match against Goldberg in the first place. Right. Because somebody, you know... Decided, you know, and, and with good reason, they didn't, they couldn't be, they didn't want to be in that match, didn't want to risk it. Right. And he had a, le- and again, you said, you said it yourself, he had a legit reason. So, but I'm, what I, my point was that Braun only got in there because he was at the right place at the right time. So it's like, it's not Braun's fault that for some reason WWE likes big dudes. But doesn't know how to book them. Yep. Man, every just everybody from Renee Young to Mike Bennett all call like calling it horrible mismanagement of talented people. Right. It don't make no sense. To have the names has been got released and you like pet scratch your head like, really? Why? And then you go back and look at look at the last couple of months of their career and stuff. You're like, makes absolutely no damn sense. Yep. Braun should be a freaking star. And you, oh my goodness, I love Booker T. He's one of my favorite all times. But dude, he sounds like a straight up Homer. He sounds like a hundred percent. Um, what do you call it? Uh. WWE apologist. Yeah, basically. He sounds he sound, 
He sounds he, yeah, he sounds like like a company guy. That's the that's the term. Company yeah. guy. Yep. He's he, they sat there and talked about it on uh, his podcast and he's like, Oh, maybe he wasn't this and maybe he wasn't that and this that I'm like, Bro, you serious? He's like, There's only like three people he can really wrestle in, in this, that and the other. I'm like, bruh, you you make it so I deal not a book of big dude. It's not complicated. Yeah, and let's not And then he talked about okay. And let's not forget. All those years ago, you had a program with Triple H and Booker T, and Booker T should have been the one that went over, but didn't happen. Right. I mean, come on, dude. You can't be that much of a company guy that you forget that. So now he's like, he's like, some people can sink. I mean, some people get thrown in the fire. And aren't ready. I'm like, he didn't get thrown in the fire. I'm like, he started off in the background of the, of the uh, Wyatt family. All he do is stand there and look big, and he did that. They slowly built him up. Right. So there was there was no he got thrown in there, he got thrown in the fire and wasn't ready. No, he dipped his toe slowly but surely, and they built him up. He was ready. The guy could ready. go. The, the guy could absolutely go. He was big, he was strong, and he was also pretty agile and quick for a guy of his size and his mass. And you're telling me he wasn't ready? Give me a right, break. Right. Not only that, but on the mic, he was, he was getting better too. Yep. He was getting better on the mic. He was getting better in these matches. You just got to book him right. And guess what? Uh-oh. That's what he failed at. Because he basically made him cannon fodder for Brock Lesnar. Right. The same thing that happened to Joe, the same thing that happened to Bob. Yep. I mean, somebody had pointed out, God, it's like the curse of the NXT champions. Oh, it, God, I see that. I see that list of people that used to be W that used to be NXT champions champions. And where is they now? Yeah. Oh goodness. It's There's hard. Only like a handful, handful of them that survive. Yeah, and it, it's a, it's hard to deny what that list said. And it said about Adam Cole, he's probably an NXT lifer. I see that. And I'm it, like, I don't think they're gonna let. Like sooner or later, I don't think they're gonna let. Uh, Maybe Champa, but I don't think they're going to let Gargano sit there in NXT for life. And they said they had him as a lifer. I was like, I don't know, man. Yeah, Champa, I think. Tommaso Champa, I see him as a lifer. Gargano, eventually, I do see him going up. Adam Cole, good as he is, I, just, I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that about him because I think he's too good to just be there. Like I said, it's not the talent, it's the people behind the talent. And I don't trust them. I trust Adam Cole, I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. Now, if like NXT and Triple H, if they were running Monday Night Raw, I would have a hundred percent faith. I'm like, call him up yesterday, call him up last week. But yep. with Vince and them. 
Oh my God, no. We saw the first time Johnny Gargano and them went up. And it went right back down like it never happened. Yep. But, and as far as but Lana. Then, but then, too, well, I was about to say, uh, but then Booker T kind of went on like, okay, if Braun, when his, con- I mean, when his 90 days is up, where could he go? People, want, people are sitting there saying he should go to AEW. He's like, there's only three matches. Like, first he said there's only two matches he could have. But then his co-host was like naming off people. He said, there's Miro. There's Lance. There's Cage. Like, dude, there's a bunch of people in that match with. He's like, oh, oh, okay, now there's only the three people. And I was like, dude, stop it, bro. You, stop it, dude. You're burying yourself. Stop it. It's like if I wanted to hear something that all due respect to Booker T, if I wanted to hear something that asinine, I'd listen to Jim Cornette's podcast. So you make it so you can only have three matches, only three people to have matches with. That's a lie. Then you can add in Luchasaurus if you want. Yeah. Like, dude, then you got Powerhouse Hobbs. I'm like, y'all hey. are wilding. And you got Hager, I'm... you got Wardlow. Yeah. So I'm sitting here like, dude. There's about five or six dudes you can have mat, big mat, big boy matches with. Y'all wildin'. I'm like, Booker T, dude, you're my guy and everything, but you wildin', bro. It's like, dude, you're just sounding too much in the old-fashioned ways with wrestling, much like guys like Cornette or other people that are stuck on that. It's like... He's like in a mix between old-fashioned and, like, like corporate yes-man type stuff. Yeah. It's, he's like a hybrid of that. But, you know, um, one note I wanted to say about Impact, because I got to give credit where it's due, I'll admit, I wasn't exactly the biggest fan of Josh Alexander. I thought he was all right, but as he did his singles run after Ethan Page left, he started to win me over. But that... Iron Man match between him and TJP, good God, they put on a clinic. Dude, I'm 100% with you. Like, I was a fan of the North and everything. I like that, you know, I like what they did with the tag championships. And then when he went on his solo run, I was kind of like, eh, you know, uh, let's see how it goes. But then he started to grow on me. And now it's, uh, as now as the the ex exhibition champ, I'm like, man, I'm digging this. And then, then you had the Iron Man man, bro. I am sold. That that was a match right there. Yeah, I mean, you give credit to both guys, but Alexander has proved has proven himself. I, so, like I said, I got to give all the credit where it's due. I mean, I haven't seen... I mean, it was... To me, it was reminiscent of the good old days of the X Division. When you had... They put on a cl- yeah. clinic out there, man. They had the transitions, the reversals, try to tap each other out. I mean, dude, they like they like... These two know each other. Mm-hmm. They know each other's moves. They can predict each other. Like that was so cold blooded. Damn right. And you know, I gotta say, Violent by Design's next opponent for the tag titles is going against Decay. 
Uh, might want to rethink that one. Cause I like that little stare down between the two of them. Yeah. Between the two groups. I like that. Yeah, because you want to talk about a guy that's definitely won me over. Black Tarus. Jeez. That was tight. I like I like the work he's been doing. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the combination of speed and power on that guy. I'm like, man. They, when Rosemary said there are plenty of monsters in the shadows, <laughs> no kidding. But Let's talk about her and Havoc. Oh, jeez. <laughs> talk about an unholy alliance. I mean, is he like Loki trying to recruit her? I guess. I mean, with her and Nevaeh no like longer. That, on one hand, you're like, she's like trying to say like, hey, we want you the dark side. But at the same time, if you want to get this, you know, this world title, the knockouts title, you got to come through me. So I'm like, dude, she likes to fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. So that was just some highlights I wanted to give out. But let's talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. And like I said to you, yes, my boys got eliminated. Didn't make it past the first round. So, T5, I'll let you ha take your shots, man. Go ahead. As much as I want to take my shot, I kind of want to re hit the rewind button. We didn't say anything about what happened on SmackDown. True. Okay, hold off on that. I, I got to tell you, man, everything with the Usos and Roman, I don't know where it's going, but I'm loving it. Whoa, that, ooh, we. That, the, their work right now is so good. It is like the hugest bright spot on any of the shows mm -hmm. like right now. And it, like I said, I don't know what the deal is because with this feud, they make you care. Yeah. Why can't y'all do that with everybody? I know. This right here makes us care, especially the character work. You see, you see... Oh, man, Roman friggin' Reigns, dude. Somebody get this man a Best Actor Award. But this cat right here says little, it says a lot at the same time. I keep just saying it. Just by his mannerisms, just by the looks he gives. I keep saying, man, this is hands down his best work to date. Mm -hmm. And even that feels like it's putting it mildly. But, and, um, you know, as far as the Baron Corbin and Shinsuke Nakamura feud or program going on, honestly, man, I'm just loving that they're doing something with Nakamura. And him. You mean the, the, the baby face that's a heel? <laughs> yeah, and stealing, and stealing Corbin's crown. That's just funny to me. See, that's the thing about it. I like it. I like that part because it shows it's, people try to people try to logic everything and they're like, he's stealing dude's crown. He's a heel. That's a heel move. I'm like, but he's a baby face who, who's like a joint. He has this playful demeanor about him like a kid. The swagger he has. 
it's a Japanese thing. It's totally mm-hmm. different. Yep. So he wants the crown because he feels like Corbin doesn't deserve it. It may be his crown. He may have bought it, but he doesn't deserve it. That's his point. So he wants to take it and put it on his head because he wants to be the king of strong style again. And then he went so far as to get a good Taurus in Rick Boogs. So now he, because the king needs a minstrel. Yep. And that, that's where I'm seeing this. And I like it. Mm-hmm. Some people are trying to, you know, logic it and everything. Oh, he's a baby face. He's stealing Corbin's crown. That's a heel move. Like, it wouldn't be if it was a damn cartoon, now would it? And yep. that's, what, that's what Shinsuke feels like. Shinsuke feels like a cartoon. Not in a bad way. I mean, to this day, I still say him not getting the win over AJ was a total misfire at Mania. Yeah, that was a bad, yeah, that was a match, right? That was was like, they tried to build that up. They tried to build it up off of their match at Wrestle Kingdom. And you can't do that. Yep. (laughs) So that... That, but again, I'm just happy seeing them actually doing something with Nakamura. That too, because he was another one for a while. He was another one out in the back in catering, just happy to be there. Yes. And they even got it back his old entrance with the crowd singing, or well, would have been if there was a crowd. We'll see in a couple of weeks. Yep. True. We will. But like I said, I mean, it's getting interesting what they're. Where this is going with the Usos and and Roman, because dude, the promo, bro. Yep. When he called, what was it? Did he call Jimmy J or J Jimmy? He, he called Jimmy J, and he and saying yeah. at this point, does it even matter? I'm like, oh god. Oh man, I said you dead. Like, bro, that's not even me. You punched me in the chest. Yep. <laughs> and man, you even see uh. Like, now you're starting to see the conflict for for Jay. Like, what? Like, he can't turn against his own brother. He doesn't want to, but... Because cause Roman is starting to make a compelling case. Because the match they had before, he was out there in the main event. But now you get a tag match. You get a tag title match with your brother and what happens you're in the opening the first match so he's making sense Roman is making sense now when you rock with me you were in the main event you're a main main event Jake you get with your brother where are you the first match in the opening of the show just like you said the week before I was like no bruh this makes too much sense stop it you're confusing me. <laughs> Stop making sense. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's again. It's hard to believe that this is still the same. The same company that make that makes this show, makes Raw, which I still will not talk about with how awful it's been. Oh God! Like okay, yeah, I agree with you. We're not gonna not gonna do that. We're not gonna sell you this. Podcast with such foolishness. 
But dude, it doesn't it doesn't make sense? Like, nope. how can you make so much sense in such a until such a compelling damn story? Yep. On top of all of that, not only do the matches crack, that's great, but then you have a compelling ass story that I gotta tune in just to see. It's like a soap opera. I gotta tune in. Uh-oh, let me see if Roman Reigns, what Roman Reigns going to say. Oh, let me see what Jay and Jimmy going to do. I care. They made me care. Damn you, SmackDown, for making me care about characters. <laughs> yeah. The other show, you're not. we're not getting that. So. What other show? Exactly. All right. So back to what we were talking about with the NBA playoffs. Like I said, man. My boys got eliminated. You have free reign. Fire your shots. I wasn't going to be that dude. I seen enough of NBA Twitter and NBA Facebook throwing, throwing daggers and stuff. But, dude, I remember when you were just dragging the damn Clippers. They weren't even eliminated yet. So, man, dude, it's like, I don't not not like LeBron. I I okay, I respect him as a player. Now, some of his practices I don't care with. The flopping, the theatrics, and of course the whole thing with him and Rich Paul getting getting uh Anthony Davis. Great, you got him. Now what? You got little brittle. Give us our picks. I want my picks. I want them. I want them. You want a little brutal so bad? I don't care if you got knocked out the playoff. I want my picks. I don't care. All right? Little, you got a little brutal. Now what? Ha ha. You should have took, took that lemon out before you bought it. <laughs> okay. You, okay. You feel good? Oh, great. I'm okay. awesome. All right, good. Okay, but in all seriousness, the way, I, the way I see it with what went wrong with the Lakers, well, clearly, you were, they were missing having guys like Dwight Howard and, and Rondo because it took the pressure off. It, took, it made Anthony Davis have to do less. But also, people keep forgetting they didn't have much... A lot of these teams, especially the Lakers in Miami, didn't have much of an offseason. They had, what, six weeks? So, injuries happening was bound... It was bound to happen. Now, as far as the Suns go, you know what? They weren't 100% either. They were just healthier than we were. Because AD was hurt. LeBron was hurt. So, it, it was just... It was not our year. That's the way. I, that's as far as I'll put it. But honestly, right now, especially with what I saw with Milwaukee and Brooklyn tonight, it's hard for me to picture any team in the West even having a chance against Brooklyn. I don't know, cause man, it's it's, it's, it's true. Because the Clippers are kind of inconsistent. Dallas is banged up. Um, Portland's gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
you may uh, I don't think Utah is there yet. They're still they're still on the come up. Yeah. They're where Denver was last year. How we kept saying every other year Denver got better. Mm-hmm. That's where Utah is now. Utah is the new Denver. They're getting better every year. While Denver is almost there. Yeah. Denver still has some holes with them. Right now, the front runner if like depending on what happens, well, even if even if the Clippers do win, I still like Denver more, but not by that much. Like, I think okay, if all if everything falls the way it might fall, if it's like Denver and the Nets, that'll be a good one. But I'll probably give it to the Nets. Yep. And that's that's even if they're miss, missing hard. Yeah. And you know, it's like I said to you with um with Milwaukee and Brooklyn, I think this is the biggest test for Brooklyn in the East. And I think if they get past Milwaukee, I don't see any I don't see any team in the East whether it's Philly or whether it's Philly or whoever, I don't I don't see anyone stopping the Nets from getting to the finals. Mm-mm. I mean, this, this is a t- Brooklyn is basically a team that's built to only, on paper, they're a team that's built to win. Like, they literally have zero excuse to do otherwise. Yeah, because they're like, they're kind of where Golden State was. How, like, you got dudes out two years ago. Golden State had dudes on their bench that could be starting for somebody else. That's that's where Brooklyn is right now. They got dudes on their bench that could be starting for other teams. Yep, exactly. So right now it's hard like I said, it's hard for me to picture anybody else in the East other than Brooklyn going to the finals. But you know, the Clippers are in on the West, the Clippers are inconsistent. The Suns, even though they eliminated my boys, the Suns are not 100%. Chris Paul is clearly hurt. He's he's summoned summoned enough uh, ancient spirits of evil to get through that last game. I don't know how much he got left. That's exactly my point, is that he got past the Lakers, but anybody else, I'm not sure how well it'll hold up. The Nugget and, yeah, the Nuggets and the Jazz... Let's not snooze on either one of those teams. And, yeah, the the Mavs, they're banged up. Luka's hurting. But, um, you know, for the Clippers, the only thing I'm going to say is even if they win tomorrow and finish that series, it's not... It's not... And anybody that thinks the Monkeys finally off their back, no, it's not. They still would have to get past the next round. And it, from what I saw, they're playing Utah. Let it go, will you? No, I'm just I'm saying that they still they still have to get past the second round, which thus far they've proved they haven't proven to be able to do that. Dude, if they make it to the finals, you're still gonna come up with something. <laughs> no, no, I won't. No, it. The monkey's off their back. The monkey's not off their back yet. They haven't won the championship yet. <laughs> if they. It'll be one thing if they actually get to the conference title game. 
And I'll be, I'll be like, <laughs> all right, they finally took a step up. But I don't. But even if they got to the finals, even I don't think they're good enough to beat Brooklyn. You, dude, you was like, just a couple of days ago, you were like, man, if they go down 3-0, it's curtains for them. They're out of thing. Now they're going to the game seven, and you're like, even if they get to the next one. <laughs> hey, when I, hey, when they went, I, I was basing that if they went down three games to none only on the fact that no team has done that in the history of the NBA. They listen to the show. <laughs> oh, hell no. He's ready to drag us. We got to win this next one. <laughs> this strong guy's ready to drag us. We got to win this next one. <laughs> hey, I, <laughs> I don't say anything else than any other analyst or any other person that calls in on a radio show <laughs> says that's bashing on the Clippers. You put that juju on the Clippers. <laughs> They're like, oh, we got to win this one. They're going to drag us. <laughs> but, you know, but like we had said before, uh, the show went on the air regarding uh, the 76ers. Without Joel, it all rests on Joel Embiid. Because if Embiid's out, they're not winning nothing. Oh, yeah, man. Cause you, can, you, can tailor, you can tailor your, uh, your offense to... Uh, to, to not having him be in the middle, ooh, that's too. Uh, yeah, man, that's. Yep. You sure as hell not relying on Ben Simmons. No. <laughs> you want to talk about somebody that's inconsistent? Oh my goodness, no. It's like you want a solution. He's not. Uh uh-uh. uh. I mean. Oh, he's a great. He's a great mismatch. Because you got a big dude playing playing point guard, he's a great mismatch, but that's not gonna get you that's not gonna give you the points you need. Yeah, I mean they yeah, they finished off the Wizards even though they let the Wizards get one win on them. But look, they were still strong enough to eliminate the Wizards. Advancing whether they advance further in the playoffs remains to be seen. And I think or Ben Simmons inconsistency is it could very well be the thing that costs them a championship. Yeah, because let's not sleep on Atlanta now. No. Trey Young Trey Young out, out here doing the work. This boy's shooting out the logo. Yep, that's true. So I mean they may be young and everything, like the song, she may she may be young, but you're ready. <laughs> yeah, 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 he ready. He out here doing the work. Will they go deep? I don't know, man. It depends on this next this next series. Yeah. And you know um the other thing I was gonna say with um with the Atlanta after they eliminated New York is that, you know, despite getting eliminated from the first round for the Knicks, I will still call this season a work in progress and that they had a I would call it the season successful. Just stuff, man. exactly by the just by the fact that you actually had a good season, you actually got in to the playoffs. That that alone, to me, after years, almost maybe even decades, of just being the laughing stock, like you were just basically you were the New York team that was just there. 
I mean, just for that alone, I mean, I would, I would consider this season a success for the Knicks. Right, because I'll tell you exactly where they were at the beginning of the season. Like, nobody was expecting anything from them at all. Right. At all. Like, the Knicks fans, everybody, radio silent about the Knicks. It was all about Brooklyn. All right. Fast forward to, like, the middle of the season, everybody's starting to notice, um, hey, um, you know the Knicks got, like, a winning record, right? They do? What? What? <laughs> right. Know? Next thing you know, uh, you know, um, if the season ended right now, the Knicks would be in the playoffs, right? <gasps> oh, what? Playoffs, you say? Mm-hmm. So next thing you know, you got the media starting to... The Knicks are kind of relevant right now. It's cool to come back. So next thing you know, everybody's back on the bandwagon. Hey, call the boys. It's cool to get on the bandwagon again. Next thing you know, everybody's back on the Knicks with it and stuff. And rightfully so. Next day, you know, they're out here talking about Julius Randle, potential MVP, and most improved player. Great. He deserves it. And next day, you know, they, they go on a fire run to close out the second second half of the season. Great. They making it to the playoffs. They didn't even have to go into the buy-in or play-in. Yep. Great. But then they start putting, then, then it comes where the real work show uh, comes in. First round. And Atlanta wasn't having that disrespect. Right. But man, like, they did, they, they did really good just getting into the playoffs. And in the first game, they looked really good too. But then Julius Randle started, like, look real inconsistent. Like, mm-hmm. he, he didn't show at all. But Derrick Rose did. Derrick Rose had like time of his life. Like yeah. he had like a super resurgence. So now you got people talking about should Derrick Rose start? Should Derrick Rose start? Yeah. So you got the potential. RJ Barrett starting to show up. They got potential pieces in there and that youth and everything. And Thibodeau out there got them boys playing defense. So don't look at this too much as like, oh man. Look at this much as like, man, you know what? I think they can take a next step next year. Yeah, exactly. To me, I look at this with the Knicks as they're heading in the right direction. Right. I mean, it can't be any worse than what they've been the last several years. Ooh, way better. Like, as long as they're trending upward. They yeah. can even they can even they can even be the same spot next year. It'll be better than you know, better than going down backwards. Yep, exactly. And I got to tell you, the shakeup in Boston that Stevens now in an office position, didn't see that coming. Mm-mm. I mean, that was a guy that a lot of people felt were that Stevens was on the hot seat. Yeah. That was wild. And him saying that he was, apparently that he was burnt out, especially after last season with the pandemic. And just wanted to step away from that. You know, I can understand that. I'm sure, look, a head coach in any sport is a pressure cooker job. You feel the heat almost constantly. And you're usually the first one to fall on the sword, even when it's not your fault. 
But I'm sure you add that all that plus everything with the pandemic, that probably didn't make it any easier either. And I'm just playing devil's advocate with that observation. Yeah, that was wild too. But then to go from head coach to the GM role that the Danny A's had, that's wild. It's one thing to step off, step back as coach, but to move up a role? Yep. And also looking like uh, what I read, I think Portland and Orlando, like both of it was a mutual parting of the ways with their head coach or with their head coaches. It's like, uh, break out the help wanted signs. Mm-hmm. But uh, play NBA playoffs, man, it's fantastic. Fantastic. So, with entertainment stuff, so, I watched a couple episodes this week of uh, Mayim Bialik from Blossom and Big Bang Theory hosting Jeopardy. I thought she did alright. And apparently, there, there's uh, fans on social media that not only thought, thought the same, but they're actually petitioning, wanting her to be the permanent host. Hey, they better pump their brakes because they're going to get into it with the fans that want LeVar Burton yeah. to be, the, uh, to be the, uh, the, uh, the host. Honestly, I'm just, whatever they're, whatever or whoever they pick to be that, I'll just accept it. I mean, a lot of the people I've seen on there did pretty good. And some of them, I mean, there are some that I imagine are not going to, I mean, like, Aaron Rodgers, I don't see him doing it, becoming the permanent one. And Anderson Cooper's not giving up his CNN job. Yeah, I got I got to take a look at uh, Cliff and see how she did because I didn't even know I didn't even know she was a real host. Yeah, she did it this week, and like I said, I thought she did pretty good. I mean, she hey, she's a smart woman. I mean, on Big Bang Theory, she, yeah, yeah, she's freaking brilliant, dude. She actually has a PhD in real life. So that was the thing with um when they, they said a bunch of in interviews on Big Bang about Big Bang Theory that they were thrilled to have somebody that actually has a PhD. So that but um I also watched the opening ceremony for the Avengers Campus of California Adventure. Dude, good god. Just looking at the opening ceremony and the like the videos of that thing i'm like dude i'm good i'm gonna go nuts at that place let me take a look at that i seen uh anthony mackie introduced captain america part yep and paul Ru- yep and paul rudd was there favreau was there too and they brought out the characters they brought out the guardians of the galaxy you saw spider-man and I'm like, oh man, I'm loving this. I just get this feeling. I go to that place. I look around, and I'm just gonna think, I'm home. <laughs> I'm that much of a nerd that I would just, that would be, how I felt. But um, definitely loving what I saw with that one. And seeing the Quinjet on top of that thing. On top of the main building, I was like, wow. 
Yeah, I mean, they got it right next to the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Last I heard, they were still building a new one for that. So, um, and also speaking of Marvel, finding out that Loki, instead of the open uh, premiere date of June 11th, it's now been moved up to June 9th. Wow. And I tell you, man, the more I see it, the more excited I am to watch that one. Well, yeah, I was already down that. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, having Tom Hiddleston play that character and you got Owen Wilson in there, I find very little reason to, to believe that I won't be entertained by this show. I mean, if any... I think that WandaVision, I mean, watching that one, it's it's opened my eyes to the, that Marvel can deliver in just about any kind of any kind of range. It even be something where they're being more comedic, like man, like WandaVision. Doing WandaVision first is like the most smartest, brilliant idea, decision, whatever you want to call it. The best decision they had. Because with that, you didn't have all the expectations of your average Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. like, like you had with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where you knew it was going to be action-packed with some story in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. With this, you didn't know what to expect, and it was so tight-lipped with it. All you know is what you've seen from the trailer. It was going to be sitcom-ish. Mm -hmm. But you didn't know how it was. And then, man, the fact that it was like a mystery every week, yep. just when you thought you had the answers, they came up with new questions. And the way, you know, it, it, you know it, they, they dragged out the, the characters and everything, and everybody had their theories. Mm -hmm. Everybody had their theories. It was great. But then you turn around and you do Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that's like your star, your standard, you know, Marvel movie type. It was like we're getting a movie every week. Like, it was like a freaking movie. It wasn't even a TV show. It was a freaking movie every week. And they had so much character and story with that. But you also had the badassery. And action, so that was right. right. So now you had these two different, you had these two different <clears throat> versions of Marvel, Marvel TV, and now you got Loki coming up, and you're like, I don't know what you're gonna do, I don't care, I'm here for it. Right. You just had that trust. They built that trust up, the way you could just say, you know what, you cross your arms and do the trust fall. They're gonna catch me. <laughs> exactly, and also they make. I mean, the one thing that I've the only the one thing that I've taken with the Loki series, they're reminding us of that one thing that some people kind of forgot. Past Loki escaped with the Tesseract, so already that eschewed the timeline. And I guarantee. And yep. He has to fix the mess. 
And remember, this is the Loki. This is the not the Loki that had made peace with Thor before his death, where they were finally on the same page. This is back to that conniving, mischievous Loki. So, so that I I'm interested in that, and I still loved where um that he's in that one room that stack of papers is dumped down. Please sign this confirming this is everything you've ever said. This is ridiculous. Another paper drops down. <laughs> but, oh, man. I mean, I, like, that's the only fact that I know of heading into this series, and I'm looking forward to it. Like, it's, it seems like it's going to be fun as hell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the thing I love looking back at Falcon and the Winter Soldier I mean, yeah, it, I mean, all of this is, feels, and even Spider-Man Far From Home felt like a post-Endgame thing. This one, or Falcon and Winter Soldier, felt more like, almost a little more like an aftermath of what happened in Endgame. Well, it did, because they, they, they referenced, they referenced so much. Right. You know, the same thing with WandaVision. It was a little bit more contained, mm-hmm. but they did reference, you know, uh, uh, people coming back and everything, and you were gone and everything, and oh, your your um, uh, you know, they they referenced, you know, the you know the, the ramifications of Endgame, you know, here and there, but it was mostly self-contained storyline. But with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we got more. Hey, this is what happened. Like this is the whole world post Endgame with the with the fast matches and everything. Their whole deal was people were gone. This is what happened. Then people came back and we were forgotten. Mm-hmm. And of course, with Falcon, him having to take care of his family and everything, and wanting to help them out, and then having to remind the people, you know, in the bank, hey, I was gone. Like literally for reals gone and that like a lot of the story with Falcon and the Winter Soldier was the ramifications from Endgame of course we had Cap not there no more and them you know acknowledging that and the need for a new Cap a new for a new need for a new symbol and of course we got Party, Party City, Captain America. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> who was later rebranded as, you know, U.S. agent. So a lot of Captain, like, dang near 99% of Captain, or you want to call it Captain America, the Winter Soldier now. <laughs> yep. But 99.9% of, of the show was was due to the ramifications of Endgame. We now, get, we, we, we now return you to your regular schedule show already in progress right I mean the thing with Steve Rogers just like with also with Sam Wilson is that with him as Captain America is they rep is representing the best of everyone and seeing Sam don the costume and as well as the shield I thought you know what this is exactly why Steve Rogers chose him 
But yeah, I mean, you already started off that series just with that heart punch of that Steve Rogers had passed away. It's like, okay, kick right below the belt already, why don't you? You guys don't, you guys don't pull no punches, do y'all? Nope. Clearly not. Damn. But, yeah, at this point, I'm, I'm trusting Marvel with just whatever. It's like, I'm basically just handing them the keys and telling them, drive. Where are we going? Doesn't matter. Drive. Yep. They're cool. And one thing I saw in the pic, uh, looking at the, some of the pictures from uh, the Avengers campus, the uh, Pym Test Kitchen, the food place, like they got some food that's like oversized. Like, kind of. Kind of like the whole Ant-Man thing, but I'm like, okay, that that looks actually cool. And the spider bots. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a nerd enough, I would actually get those. Or one, I mean. Yes, man, the idiot tries to sell y'all everything. <laughs> hey, I've already built droids and a lightsaber at Galaxy's Edge, man, so... And, uh, and honestly, man, I... And, and it, oh yeah, and got the two holocrons. But I hear they got a new uh, kyber crystal for the holocron. Like, there's a new special green one. If you put it in the Jedi holocron, it goes, it kind of goes magic eight ball mode. Except with Yoda's voice. That sounds interesting. And the same thing with the Sith holocron for the, this red kyber crystal. You put it in, same thing, except it's Vader's voice. I'm about to say, it's Jar Jar Binks' voice. No, because they actually want to sell the damn thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You want to talk about... You want to talk about the way I bash the Clippers. It's nothing compared to how I will continue... I will bash Jar Jar Binks till the day I die. It's me, Jar Jar Beats. It's Misa Jar Jar Beats. <laughs> what the hell are you doing in here? Misa no like that character. Misa think Jar Jar jump off a cliff. <laughs> Misa think I should go to George Luke Lucas and slap him saying that's not funny. <laughs> that's not funny, Andy. He's a good warrior. Oh, God. Oh, jeez, but... We got we got a lot of stuff to cover with Bite This, but first and foremost, time for the shout-outs. Alright, this week's shout-outs go out to Trevor and Tyler Stoy, Crystal Simpkins, Katie Stoy, Bridget from Long Island, Eric from Clearwater, Patrick Mercier, Jackie Lindsay Guerrera, Jesse Schaefer, Steve and Susan Coulter, Carisha Tate, Renee, David Golnazarian, Cordero Aloa, Angelo Guerrera, Dan Saborio, Julie Saborio, Melissa Disbro, James Schlegel, Jim Post, Craig and Haley Crockett, Nico Brown, Ray Preventure, Billy James, Sean Musendon, Nathan Wallace, Justin Brannick, Priscilla and John Bays, Nathan Ellie, Patty Narragon, Tim Ridley, Mike McNulty, Jennifer Pastorini, a.k.a. Jennifer and Sunshine, Damian Th Thunder from Down Under, Botriel, Carl Iacos, Grady W. Smithy III, Graham Moore, Craig Coleman, 
Ben Kenber, Kat Sosa, Kelly Sawyer, J.P. Mayer, Adam Luz, Raymond Simon Jr., Lawrence Wilkinson, Will Ramos, Darren G. Morris, Travy Yankee, Amador Gonzalez, Hannah Kaplan, Brian Here Comes the Boom, Bustamantes, Carol Shannis, Midnight Smoke, Colin Maggs, Charles Phillips, Robert Miller, Trent Unruh, Ernie Venegas, Amaris McClure, Zach Dollum, Jim Dickinson, Kevin Williams, Joanne Williams, Rob Liff, David Jason Perez, Josh Baker, June Groves, Jen Hopkins, Tim Markell, Ian Strang, Danielle Weir, Paul Ackerman, Chris Collins, Matt Kay and Kelly Kay, Jody Parker Hoschild, Paulo Andre D. Almeida, Chris Collins, Vanessa, Dylan Williams, Chad Silverstein, Donald Townsend, Josh Stetz, Owen Edmonds, Kristen Farley, Drew Stevenson, Jeremiah Morris, Susan Schlaughter, Christian Ortiz, Rico DiGiorgio, Brian H. Waters and the real Dwayne Allen of the Wrestling Realm, Graham Arnold, Gemma Williams of the Talking Cod Swallow Podcast, Jerry Rocha, Eddie Pence, and Cody Villafania of the Ramble Podcast, Ralph Garman, Eddie Pence, and Steve Ashton, and Carrie Watson of the Ralph Report, the guys at Because Fuck You, That's Why Podcast, the ladies of Bitches Bewitched Podcast, Hannah Kaplan's Embroidery, Hannah's Embroidery, at What a Piece of Stitch on Instagram, the ladies of EZLA on YouTube, the lovely Lindsay from Arkansas, and Queen Jay, the Sheenom, Jennifer Wren Stewart, Eric from Clearwater and Nico Brown's podcast, highflypod.podbean.com, and Bridget from Long Island and my good friend Aaron of the Bicoastal Biatches, featured on Anchor and various other platforms, and those are the shout-outs. All right, now, like just like we did last week, we got a, we got a listener email from Mr. D-Town himself, Donald Townsend, who titled his... Read them their variety bites. So his email says, Oh my frickin' God, while L.A. Confidential was my top pick for cop movies, when I saw the naked gun on the polls, I just had to talk about it. Before I'd seen any cop movie in my life, I watched The Naked Gun. The title sequence alone with the police car busting through houses, riding on a roller coaster, and plowing through a women's locker room, I was all in. Leslie Nielsen instantly became my favorite actor as a kid through these movies. Oddly, I still haven't seen the Police Squad show, which the movies were evidently based on. I need to binge them now. These movies were the weird Al of movies, and when both of these genres came together in Spy Hard, I could have died happy right there. I recently re-watched the movies with my son, and while some of the jokes didn't age well, he also shared my complete joy in them. Leslie Nielsen in general, the chief who was almost exactly exactly like the chief from Inspector Gadget. I lost it when he was hiding in his office, lazy boy. The ridiculous partner and insert record scratch here, O.J. Simpson. <laughs> wow, I'd forgotten he was in these movies. All three of them? That really does dampen my joy a bit. I have to say I loved the character at the time, but I can't separate him from what I know now, which truly sucks. But at least we still have Spy Hard. Getting back to my top pick, L.A. Confidential, is a perfect cop movie for me. It's got every element that I look for in a movie, and I've only recently watched it, maybe six months ago. I had just finished a video game called L.A. Noir, which was amazing to me, and I was descri describing the game to a friend who said it sounded like L.A. Confidential, so I gave it a shot and it scratched every itch for me. 
and the acting and screenwriting matched the atmosphere it was looking for. Also, as far as I know, no appearance by actual murderers that would muck it up. Wait, Kevin Spacey's in there. Oh, for crying out loud. Great show, as always. D-Town. <laughs> that, that, that was a good one, man. That was. Yeah, I make he makes some valid points. Like, like they're on IFC, they're playing the naked gun. And I can't separate OJ. I can't look at OJ Simpson the same way in that movie. In those movies. It, it's tough. I mean, I try to. It's just, it's not easy. Yeah, it's kind of weird because the first thing you think about... <laughs> As opposed to thinking about, hey, it's Nordberg. You think, wow, it's OJ and the stuff. Yeah. But, you know, um, so we'll start start that one off with our first list, which is the cop movies. So start off with the polls. The winner on the polls was uh, Die Hard, followed by Bad Boys, Lethal Weapon, RoboCop, Beverly Hills Cop, Rush Hour, Training Day, The Fugitive, Police Academy, The Untouchables, Kindergarten Cop, Super Troopers, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Demolition Man, Hot Fuzz, L.A. Confidential, The Naked Gun, The Other Guys, Dragnet, Walking Tall, Turner and Hooch, 21 Jump Street, The Last Boy Scout, Fargo, Heat, Blue Streak, Speed, Running Scared, Shoot to Kill, Tango and Cash, Last Action Hero, Dirty Harry, and 48 Hours. Uh, T5, I, I, like I said, I had a hard, hard as hell time with this one. But, um, and I'm going to have to kind of break my own rule here because I... I went the tw- I had to go the twelve because otherwise I was gonna have too many, too many honorable mentions with this one. That's why I don't do honorable mentions. That's a handicap. Yeah, so I had to do it with this one. So, starting at number twelve, The Fugitive, followed by Die Hard, Dragnet, The Beverly Hills Cop series, Tango and Cash, The Naked Gun series. Super Troopers, seven, and then at number four, Hot Fuzz. Number three, Bad Boys, all three of those. Number two, the Lethal Weapon series, and number one, The Untouchables. T5, your thoughts on your list? Yeah, I kind of try to steer away from doing honorable mentions because that's kind of a handicap, kind of almost defeats the purpose of doing a 10, you know, it's going to have some movies you're going to have to unfortunately leave off if you do a 10. I mean, it's just the way it is. Like, it sucks because, like, I have a bunch of movies that I definitely wanted to add or I wanted to mention, but, you know, we be here all day. So, um, my number 10 was Bad Boys. Number nine, Rush Hour. Number eight, Police Academy. Number seven, Training Day. Number six, The Untouchables. 
Number five, Tango and Cabs. Number four, 48 Hours. Number three, Beverly Hills Cop. Number two, Lethal Weapon. And number one, Yippie Kaye. Die Hard. Mr. McClay. Yeah, I mean, some of them we definitely knew were, were musts that had to be on the list. Tango and Cash, definitely one of them. Dude, Tango and Cash was a, such a fun damn movie, dude. Yep. The Jack Palance? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, there, like, some I remembered last minute that I had to put in there. Hot Fuzz. I can watch, anytime HBO's playing that movie, I watch it. Right. He jump kicks an old woman, for God's sake. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, there's a lot of parts where it's brutally violent, but not, but it's, you still find humor. It doesn't overshadow the humor in the movie. Man, Lethal Weapon had a, had a woman oh, falling out of a yeah. damn apartment balcony onto a car. I mean, you don't get, man, you, you can pause to brew that brutality. <laughs> yeah. But um, Lethal Weapon was also a given that it had to be in there. Riggs and Murtaugh, you already know what time of day it is. Yep. You say Riggs and Murtaugh. Yeah. And Dragnet, I absolutely had to put in there because I love that movie. Dude, I wanted to put that on there, but based on my 10, I could not. Same thing with Hot Fuzz. I wanted to put Hot Fuzz on there. But like I said, I always go, I always do, do it this way. Hey, could that beat out number 10? Could that beat out number 9? If it, if it can't, can't get on the list. Yeah, I debated between 48 hours and um, Be and Beverly Hills Cop, which obviously I felt Beverly Hills Cop was it had it was a must. I put them both on there because, like I said, because Beverly Hills Cop Forty Eight Hours to me were two very dope, you know, cop movies that I grew up on. So next thing you know, I went, okay, does this beat out Forty Eight Hours and Beverly Hills Cop? Nope, can't get on the list. Does yeah. this beat them out? But look what I had them at. I had them at three and four, so they even had them. Nobody else had to beat them out. Yeah. Except for, like, except for Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. And Die Hard and Lethal Weapon trumps, to me, they trump Beverly Hills Cop in 48 hours. Now, Tango and Cash wouldn't beat them out, so I put them at number five. The Untouchables, I love The Untouchables. But they, they don't beat them five out, so that ended up at number six. Yeah, that's how I do my list. But that's why when I had you know movies like Hot Fuzz uh, that I remember and Super Troopers and stuff, I was like, okay, with that beat out Bad Boys. Nope, couldn't do it. So they don't get on the list. Yep. Because I had Bad Boys at number ten. You gotta beat out Bad Boys in order to get on the list. All those other movies could not beat out Bad Boys. So that's why they did not make the list. I love them, but I don't love them more than I love Bad Boys. Yeah, there there was a lot that there was a lot of them that I had to cut that didn't make that didn't end up making the cut. I mean, Speed didn't make the cut. The Last Boy Scout. And I love that movie. Yeah, 
and um, Demolition Man. That that one to me is a guilty pleasure movie. It is, dude. Like Simon Phoenix, dude. Yeah. Man, what's his knife killed in that movie, dude? I always crack up. I even like Dennis Leary. I even like Dennis Leary part. Dude. Yep. I always I always crack up at when he curses and the machine gives him a ticket and and Phoenix just goes what. Fuck you. It just gives him another one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's like so surprised at all this technology and stuff. He's like, oh, I'm so giddy. I'm so giddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, it, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I like, it's a guilty pleasure movie. Um. And, but, yeah, there was a lot of them that en- ended up cut, not making the cut. I mean, I loved Rush Hour. That was one of the unfortunate cash. I mean, oh yeah, I had to put I had to put Rush Hour, man. Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, like that movie caught me by surprise how good it was. Yeah, like, you little girl, what little girl, the little Chinese girl. <laughs> oh yeah, and the Naked Gun to me was a must. I mean, I I did watch Police Squad. I have all those episodes, and I loved every single one of them. Like the guest star in the credits would always get killed, <laughs> and one of my favorites was um, Frank Drebin's partner's pouring him the coffee. He goes, "Say when, Frank? When?" And it does the freeze frame, and the credits are going, but the coffee is still filling the cup, <laughs> and you're seeing Frank's eyes moving, but <laughs> but not his face, and then eventually he ends up dropping the cup, and the coffee's pouring on his hand. Oh, that's a classic. But, but yeah, and, um, next one that we got is, uh, John Travolta movies. So, no surprise on this one, most votes went to Pulp Fiction, followed by Face Off, Grease, Saturday Night Fever, Look Who's Talking, Welcome Back Cotter, The Punisher, Phenomenon, Broken Arrow, Michael, Wild Hogs, The General's Daughter, Get Shorty, A Civil Action, Urban Cowboy, Swordfish, Be Cool, Ladder 49, Edna, Edna Turnblad, Hairspray, and Blowout. This one I did go the, the 10 on this one. My number 10, Phenomenon. Number 9, Michael. Number eight, Saturday Night Fever. Number seven, The Punisher. Number six, Get Shorty. Number five, Welcome Back, Cotter. Number four, Swordfish. Number three, Broken Arrow. Number two, Face Off. And my number one, just like everybody else, Pulp Fiction. T5, your thoughts on your list. I went another way. I went another way. <laughs> number 10 The Boy in the Plastic Boat hmm. Number 9 Saturday Night Fever Number 8 Broken Arrow Number 7 Basic Number 6 Hairspray Number 5 Look Who's Talking Number 4 Grease Number 3 Face Off Number two, Pulp Fiction. 
and number one, Vinny Bobbery. Welcome back, Cotter. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, welcome back, Cotter definitely had to be a top fiver at the very least. Just because of the fact that was how, how it all began. Yeah, that's why that's why I put him at number one. Because that's why I got introduced to him at. And right. I always was a fan of Welcome Back Cotter and the Sweat Hogs and everything. Yep. And, like, man, and that, me and my pops stay watching Welcome Back Cotter. And that was that was my jam. So I had to put number one. And, of course, the full fiction, that goes without saying. Oh, absolutely. Dude, and, like, his work with Face Off, like, shout out to him and Nicholas Cage. Oh, yeah. But playing two characters, dude, and then doing an impersonation of each other so well. Yeah, that was the thing. For me, with Broken Arrow, why that was a top fiver for me is because, basically, the villain side of Travolta and Face Off was kind of a magnified version of what we got in Broken Arrow. Right, and that's why I put Broken Arrow number eight. Well, I the re- right. also, I got, it was... The, for, for me, with Broken Arrow, it was the first time I had seen Travolta play the bad guy. Yeah, me too. And also when uh, Christian Slater says to him, you're out of your mind, and he goes, yeah, ain't it cool? My dad yeah. and I busted <laughs> up, we busted up the loudest because the second he said, ain't it cool, all we could think was Barbarino. Right, like the look on his face, dude. Yeah. It, ju- it just it just screamed, oh, Vinny. Yep. And, and like, as the Punisher, I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah. Even, even though it was, even though it wasn't completely tied towards the comic, because Frank Castle had more than one kid, and there was no, there was never a such thing in the comics as the Saints. So it was kind of, I mean, it was an adaptation of it, but still good. And I still love Thomas Jane's portrayal of Frank Castle in that one. Yeah, I I dug the movie too. And Sword, Um, um, oh, I was going to say Swordfish, the reason why I, I, when, I didn't see that movie in theaters. I didn't see it until it was out on DVD, but when I watched it, I was like, man, this is one of those rare times I actually regret not seeing this in a theater. Because this movie, because I thought this movie was great. I mean, the casting in that, and that opening montage, uh, or that opening monologue of Travolta's character, where he says, you know what the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unrelenting, unforgiving shit. It just goes on this rant, and I'm just dying like, wow. I'm sold just from that alone. Yep. But yeah, you got him, you got Hugh Jackman, Don Cheadle, Halle Berry. Halle Berry's uh, chest. <laughs> so, so like, yep. That for all those reasons, that that one had to be on the list for me. And get shorty. Need I say more? Talk about another one that had a solid cast in there. Solid. I mean, Travolta, Rene Russo, Danny DeVito, Hackman. But it was it was a tricky one. So next next list we got, we have 
original t original songs used for TV. Most votes actually went to The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, followed by Smallville, The Sopranos, Gilmore Girls, True Blood, The Original Charmed, Malcolm in the Middle, Season 1 Happy Days, The Big Bang Theory, The Monkees, Roswell, In the Heat of the Night, Veronica Mars, How I Met Your Mother, Entourage, Chico and the Man, and Grace and Frankie. So, T5, I'll actually let you go first with this one. Okay. This is another tough one. Always love the tough ones. <clears throat> the first one I got is number 10, CSI. Number 9, I have Las Vegas. Ooh, that was number a good one. Eight, the Wonder Years. Number seven, Smallville. Number six, The Jeffersons. Number five, Dukes of Hazard. Number four, Fresh Prince. Number three, The Monkees. Number two, In the Heat of the Night. And number one, Golden Girl. All right, so my number 10, Malcolm in the Middle. Number 9, The Big Bang Theory. Number 8, The Original Recipe Charmed. Number 7, Roswell. Number 6, or as I call it, Get Out of My Head, T5, In the Heat of the Night. <laughs> number 5, Entourage. Number 4, Gilmore Girls. Number three, Smallville. Number two, The Sopranos. And number one, Veronica Mars. I like that song by the Dandy Warhols. I can't help it. And I'm talking the original song, not when they tried remixing the damn thing. Yeah, a lot of those songs were slappers, man. I had to put them on there. Some of them I had to leave off. And I felt kind of bad about it. Yep. But you knew my formula. You got to beat out the one in front of you. So it did happen. And a lot of these songs, man, like I, like last minute, I remembered uh, Las Vegas. And damn, that, that that version of A Little Less Conversation was so clutch. Oh, yeah. I, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't remember that one or um, The Wonder Years, because I love both of those. Oh, bro, like, I, that was one of the first ones I put on there. And I put them out of order. I was just jotting down ones I can remember, and I was going to go and put them in order later. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I ended up doing. And Wonder Years is, like, one of the first ones I put on there, man. Yeah, I mean, and... That's another show that to me is a guilty pleasure was Las Vegas. Yeah, it was just a fun show with a fun cast. Oh yeah, still one of my favorites was when um, was when Ed and Delinda go after that health inspector that gave, that shut down her restaurant because she wouldn't go out with him, and yeah, and they're beating the guy up. 
She's like, like, like this, Daddy? He goes, actually, excuse me. I, and then he hurts the guy. I'm like, wow, is there any guy you'd want to piss off less than James Caan? Never. Yeah, that'd be like this. I'd be like, okay, I pissed him off. See you in the morgue. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move into the morgue and avoid the rush. And even though it kind of, I mean, it suffered when, when um he left the show, but Tom Selleck did his character or his own character pretty good. Yeah, he did. He did really well uh, filling in. Yep. And, and. Yeah, I'll admit, I had a crush on Vanessa Marcel on that show. Then again, who didn't? Nobody. And that that was kind of the icebreaker for Josh Dumel. So he and he was good on that uh, show. Man. Yeah, like man, the rest of these themes, dude, they were either clappers or they were just like super memorable, like in the heat of the night. Oh god, I love that. Like, I had to. <laughs> With that Dude, one. It, it, it comes on like around, what, 10 o'clock, 10 a.m.? Mm-hmm. On a channel called MeTV. Right. My pops watches it. Uh-huh. Dude, whenever I hear it, the theme on, I just automatically start singing. <laughs> automatically, dude. Like, you can't help it. It's like, you gotta, you gotta start singing. Uh, the Monkees. Bro, I grew up watching the Monkees reruns mm-hmm. and that song is just stuck in my head forever oh yeah forever i was gonna say with in the heat of the night like i have a relaxed music playlist that i use when i'm at work and that song's one of them oh that's great i mean i just have memories of when i lived at the house i used to live in and tuesday nights nbc my grandmother was always sitting in her chair, which was originally my grandpa's chair, and watching, it was Matlock, followed by In the Heat of the Night. Hell yeah. And I would always watch the the like the opening sequence for In the Heat of the Night and just love that song. Yeah, man, that's how, that's how I was in my house. My mom and my sister used to watch In the Heat of the Night and Matlock. And I sit there, man, just sit there, chill on the floor, on the carpet, just sit there and watch. Man, that intro. Yep. Which also came from the movie. Right. But the next one that we got, which was one, which is, um, this was one that we came up with. Disney Afternoon Cartoons. So the poll for this one, the most votes went to Gargoyles. Followed by DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, Gummy Bears, Goof Troop, Mighty Ducks, Aladdin, and Bunkers. So my my number 10, I did it just to fill the spot in, but I put Bunkers at number 10. Followed by Goof Troop, Aladdin, the Mighty Ducks, Tailspin, then at number five, the Gummy Bears. Number four, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Number three, Darkwing Duck. Number two, DuckTales. And number one, just like everybody else, Gargoyles. T5, your thoughts and your list. Uh, 
too many thoughts. Just uh, the list. Number 10, Bonkers. Number 9, Timon and Pumbaa. Number 8, The Mountain Ducks. Number 7, Aladdin. Number 6, Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Number 5, The Gummy Bears. Number 4, Tailspin. Number 3, Gargoyles. Number 2, Darkwing Duck. And unlike everybody else, <laughs> number 1, DuckTales. For me, the reason I put Gargoyles at the top is because it was something that was kind of on the darker side and different for a Disney cartoon, which was surprising to me. I can see that. That was the ba- basis. Otherwise, uh, I mean, if it were, if Gargoyles had never existed, of course, DuckTales would be at the top. Hands down. I like Gargoyles. It was a game changer. It was different. And like you said, it was darker, more of a serious tone. So I dug that. But I didn't dig it more than Darkwing Duck and DuckTales. All right. That makes sense. DuckTales was the jump off for me. And it was so funny, but adventurous at the same time. And you cared about a lot of these characters. And whenever this, in like no, no shows back then, especially cartoons, had these episodes that would, that would, linked together like when you had Scrooge looking for uh, trying to get his fortune back they had this episode linked to this episode to this episode to this episode then they had him teleport I'm not teleporting but transporting that money all you know through the sky on that on that um, the little not island but the little uh, Lost City. Right. And, and then the then he got mad with the uh, he got mad at uh at the uh the brothers. The boys. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Mm-hmm. And they went to go. You know they found out the Bugle Boys were trying to get them trying to you know steal his money. Mm-hmm. And just when he was about to lose the Flint Heart Glom Gold, they turned around and found more money. They found more treasure gold in the little the little ruins mm-hmm. and it all came pouring out and that all those episodes linked together and no other cartoon really did that at the time and of course you had gizmo duck the gizmo duck mm-hmm. uh, when they introduced him that was dope to me yeah oh yeah the same thing with um when they went back in time and they found bubble yeah oh yeah that was dope. All this stuff, the little series they had, it made you want to watch every episode. Oh, man, I got to come back to the next episode see what happens. Oh, I got to come back and see what happens. And no other show was doing that at the time. And it made it feel like a for reals adventure. That's yeah. why I was so, you know, into DuckTales. And that's why I had them at number one. And for the same reason, I did that with Darkwing Duck. Right. Darkwing Duck got a lot of episodes where they were linked together. Episode one, two, three, four, all these linked together. And they had these different characters, man. Darkwing Duck had his own rogues gallery. Right. And it was so dope. 
and each of them were different. The fearsome five. I used to love Quacker Jack. Yep. <laughs> Quacker Jack was one of my favorites, dude. It's playtime. Yeah. I used to love Quacker Jack. Uh, shit, all of them, dude. Oh God, yeah. The quick, the, the the fearsome five and the Justice Ducks. Yep. I love the play on words, dude. All that stuff was great to me, especially how you know it was a super. He was supposed to be a superhero, and he he couldn't stand Gizmo Duck for shit. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I loved how with Nega uh, Duck, how when he when Nega Duck disguised as Darkwing, and they were trying to figure out which was the real Darkwing, and Darkwing goes, "Look, there's a cute fuzzy fuzzy bunny," and you see Nega Duck pull out a shotgun, and goes, "Where?" <laughs> but um yeah i mean you had gizmo duck crossover on there of course you had Launchpad as the sidekick for Darkwing. the other thing i like with ducktales is that how with how as much as scrooge loved his money and everything you saw that he did have a heart to him and did grow to love the boys yeah they had episodes where you felt where you just like Oh man, you had to yell at him like that. And you felt like for real feelings. <laughs> yep. And of course, I mean, you think of DuckTales, it's impossible to not think of, of course, the movie. Oh, dude, DuckTales, the movie was so fun. That was one of those, like, it took forever before they finally put it on DVD, but the second they did, I was like, that's a must own. Right. I mean, I loved when uh, Scrooge wished for the genie to be a to be a boy, and when the genie was saying, "Can I call you Uncle?" He goes, "You're a sweet kid. Don't press your luck." <laughs> I mean, Alan Young just brought such life to Scrooge. I mean, he was he was just magical as that character. But yeah, and. So, I can understand that. And the last list that we got, favorite Metallica songs. And, actually, I'll read off the poll first, and you told me that JP submitted his. Yes, sir. So, I'm anxious to see that. So, the poll, not really shocked on this one. Enter Sandman at number one. Followed by Master of Puppets, For Whom the Bell Tolls, The Unforgiven, Sad But True, One, Until It Sleeps, Wherever I May Roam, Hero of the Day, King Nothing, Fuel, Devil's Dance, Battery, and No Leaf Clover. T5, before we give our lists, let's hear uh, JP's. All right, all right, all right. First of all, JP wanted me to let everybody know he's doing all right. And he'll be back soon, as soon as he has some time off after his surgery. So, shout out to JP for that. That being said, number 10, wherever I may roam. Number 9, nothing else matters. Number 8, I disappear. Number 7, the memory remains. Number six, Sad But True. Number five, One. Number four, King Nothing. Number three, Until It Sleeps. Number two, 
for whom the bell tolls. And number one, into Sandman. All right, so my list as it stands, number 10, Master of Puppets. Number nine, Wherever I May Roam. Number eight, King Nothing. Number seven, No Leaf Clover. Number six, Until It Sleeps. Number five, Fuel. Number four, Hero of the Day. Number three, The Unforgiven. Number, number two, For Whom the Bell Tolls. And number one, Exit Light, Enter Night. Enter Sandman. T5, your thoughts on your list. Number 10, I Disappear. Number 9, Whiskey in the Jar. Number 8, Wherever I May Roam. Number 7, Master, Master. <laughs> <laughs> Number 6, Welcome Home, Sanitarium. Number five, St. Anger. Number four, No Leaf Clover. Number three, Turn the Page. Number two, The Memory Remains. And number one, Enter Sandman. So safe to say, I mean, as much as our, our lists varied, there's no way Enter Sandman was not going to be number one. Oh, yeah. Special shout out to JP. I thought I wasn't going to be the only one that picked King Nothing. You almost were. I almost did. But then, you know what happened? I remember to turn the page. <laughs> and that bumped, that bumped every, other, every other song down a notch. Which ended up bumping... Uh, it ended up bumping King Nothing off, and it also ended up bumping um, uh, Unforgiven off, too. Yeah. Until it sleeps, uh, I, I, I like. I last, I last minute remember Turn the Page mm -hmm. and, uh, and Welcome Home. Yeah, makes sense. Hero of the Day and No Leaf Clover. You got to thank that album with the orchestra for that one. You not lying, dude. That's what did it for me. The yeah. No Leaf Clover, that's what did it. That orchestra. I was like, you're not about to sit here and tell me you're about to play this metal song with the orchestra backing. Hell no. It was for Yeah, that's what did it for me. That, that, that song always stuck with me because of that orchestra. They had the San Francisco Orchestra backing them up. And that's what always did it for me. Yep. And I've heard both the orchestra version of Hero of the Day and the regular version, and both, I thought, sounded really good. And I, I always felt like Until It Sleeps was kind of underrated. Yeah, I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to put it on the list. And For Whom the Bell Tolls, I can't hear that song without thinking Zombieland. With me, Turn the Page always stuck with me because the first time I heard it is when WWE did it, used it um, to hype up. It was The Undertaker and I think Triple H. Mm. It was The Undertaker and Triple H. It might have been their WrestleMania match. 
and they hype they use that use that for the hype video and that always stuck with me and i was like damn this is cold the hell bloody it just it just made that match that much that much more using that song and that song always stuck with me not not just because of that but because you know it was such a cold ass song with even without because i because you because if you even if you watch like the original video the original video i mean the video was such a dark video dude yeah with, with the uh with the stripper and stuff dude it's a dark ass video but you know the song fits perfectly just like the song fit with the triple h and uh, undertaker feud perfectly so man it's just like they just make these songs that just fit perfect you know i watched um the old clip of when they started to hype taker and triple h's match at mania and just remember you almost forget how good when taker was doing the american badass gimmick you forget how good he was when he was on the mic mm-hmm. when he's saying to triple h you're set you're standing in my yard and i don't know if you realize this or not but bad things happen to people that walk into my yard And I loved when he said that, I don't fear you, I don't respect you, but you get in the ring with me, I'll make you famous. I was like, man. Like, just from that promo alone, I was sold on the fact that Taker and Triple H were going to collide at Mania. And even Taker pointed out, saying, I'm the dead man, and you've never beaten me. Because he was right. Speaking of yards, I like how the video for Say Anger had the prison yard in. Yep. They had they, they had the prisoners in there. That was wild. Yeah. And that always stuck with me too. Like, man, it was this was a hard list to do too. Yeah, we had some real challenging ones this time around. So now we go to net. For next episode what we tackle so I brought I brought up this idea kind of a sequel to what we just did with the cop movies but favorite cop detective characters because you think of like the Joe Fridays with Frank Drebens Rig, Riggs and Murtaugh etc I don't know. What do you think? That sounds cool. Yeah. Detective characters. Cop, detective. And, of course, Frank Drebin. Characters. All right. And the other one, I brought it, brought it up to you after we wrapped last week. This is one I had forgotten about. We'd done college movies. Let's tackle something that's even scarier than that, that for a lot of people was scarier than college. High school movies. <laughs> so, I mean, you would, at first glance, you would think the first, the first one that would come to mind for a front runner would probably be Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. 
Oh yeah, man. Oh, this this is gonna be another all nighter right here. Yep. I mean, let's not forget the Breakfast Club. But um, yep, and. Varsity Blues definitely would count as a high school movie, right? Well, they were in high school? Yeah, yeah. So... They... <laughs> I keep I keep forgetting whether Finding Forrester was a college or a high or a prep school. Uh high school. Yeah, and I think the same thing goes for Dead Poet Society. That was a Prep school? It definitely wasn't a college, though. Uh-uh. So I think Dead Poet Society would count. Yeah, that was, I think, an all-boys preparatory school. Yeah, so though. So those de- So that's definitely an interesting topic. Um, so T5, you got any ones to con- contribute? For yours. All right. Um... I'm going to combine two aspects of the show. The music aspect and the wrestling. We're going to do the challenge I have. Okay, the challenge I have throughout here. Favorite wrestling theme songs. Okay. I mean, if I had to go, I mean, currently, I think Judas is kind of up there. Like, I was, I was like... Just like backlogging for like no reason, mm-hmm. and I came across a real. I was watching Survival of the Fittest. That's what I was watching. Uh, Ring of Honor. They had the best of Survival of the Fittest. And they had one where uh, with the one where uh, Adam Cole, Michael Elgin, Jay Lethal, and a couple of others. And I was like, dude. You forget how cold-blooded Adam Cole's theme song used to be. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then they, then they had um, and they had like the little YouTube has a thing on there where they, they give you related topics. So I listened. I went back and listened to Adam Cole's theme song from from Ring of Honor. At the bottom, next next thing next thing they had on there recommended AJ Styles theme song from Ring of Honor. No, I said, y'all, I had to click it. And I have not listened to that theme song in forever. Yep. So that, that's like, a good they, one. They have a, lot of, they have a lot of very underrated theme songs from Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Don't sleep on them. Like, a lot, I know a lot of people like the WWF, WWE, Jim Johnston stuff. But Ring of Honor had a lot of good theme songs. Yeah, that's true. So, that's a good one. And what what's the other one? You, you got another one? Um, we thought we kicked around this one. Uh, I don't know if you want to do favorite Hanna-Barbera cartoons or if you just want to do, like, the superheroes. I think wanted to go with the superhero ones. Just because Hanna Barbera, you're combining the superhero ones plus the Yogi Bear and all the, and all those ones, which kind of, it's too broad a lift category right there. I mean, it's doable if you put them in. If you, if you do the, if you do a top ten, you stick to it. 
Yeah, true. Okay, let's combine it. Let, just Hanna-Barbera cartoons in general. Because I think they did plenty of cartoons with all of their... The Yogi Bear and his friends characters. To where it could be rounded up into one, one entry. Like the Yogi's Treasure Hunt or Space Race and all that stuff. Yeah. Plus this wacky way we... Races. Yeah, plus this way I was going to say we can include Wacky Races. So. And you know... I don't know if we tackled this one or if it's something that deserves a repeater. This goes... I mean, we've done a lot of favorites and we haven't done a kind of one that goes anti-favorite in a long time. Worst remakes of movies. I think we, we did remakes. Yeah, okay. We did that. Yeah, yeah. We did that because we talked about a point break and uh, something else. <laughs> I think... I don't, it's hard for me to imagine anything being worse than the Arthur remake. I think we talked about that, too. Yep. Because, you know, I saw a clip of that on YouTube, and I'm like, wow, this was so awful. But they had the balls to actually try that. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking about that one. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's almost like you're trying to trying to do a, uh, what you would call him, a remake of, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire or something. Ugh. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, all I can remember thinking after watching that movie was, was Russell Brand ever funny? Sure as hell wasn't funny in that, that movie. He wasn't funny in that, but he was, nah, he was, a, he's an acquired taste, let's put it that way. Like, Sarah Marshall, yeah. I could, I enjoyed, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say he was the primary reason I enjoyed it. What did you think about his character, though? Like you said, it's an acquired taste. Like, in certain spots, he's funny. Like, when he, when he, like in his voice acting or his characters. Certain movies and certain spots, he's funny. And in certain other stuff, he isn't. Like, when he had his own um, late-night talk show thingy on HBO, it mm -hmm. was kind of hit or miss. Right. Like, sometimes it'd be funny, sometimes it wouldn't. Right. He just wasn't really consistent. Yeah, and get him to the Greek, I don't know. It, like, there were some moments where it, got, where it was funny and other times where I'm like, enough already. Right, like, it, like it was lacking consistency. Yeah, like he was a one-note joke throughout one, throughout an hour and a half long movie. In certain parts. And by the way, yeah. All right, so to break it down, we got Hanna Barbera cartoons. We got we got high school movies. Wrestler theme songs. And what was the fourth one that we had? Uh, cop detect character. Oh yeah, that one. So, yeah. And random. So as we're wrapping things up, uh, random question. Because I I've had a busy few weeks. I haven't gotten to watch it. 
Have you watched Modoc yet? Uh uh. I haven't either, but God, I want to. I want to. I mean, the fact that you're not really taking it seriously, like, it's funny, and you have Patton Oswalt voicing Modoc. And the, the <laughs> one part that was described is that he goes to a bar for lesser villains. Like Whirlwind from Iron Man. I'm just like, oh, like, I'm like, oh god, I gotta see that part. Just, just for that alone. Dude, it looks funny as hell. Like, I didn't know what to expect from it. I was like, what the hell is this? And next thing you know, it's like robot damn chicken. I'm like, dude, this is wild. I gotta see this. It almost reminds me of The Tick. In a way. That too. God, talk about a show I loved. That, man, that was that was a '90s cartoon I forgot about when we did that. Was the Tick? Cause I laughed my ass off with that show. Yeah, but um, man, I gotta check. I gotta check out Moda. I gotta see what uh, which we call that's on. Um, that's on Hulu. Great. Um. Have you finished Invincibly yet? Almost. Which episode are you on? I'm about to start episode seven. Ooh. Yeah, I'm loving where it's going. I really am. Man, let me know where you finish up, cause bruh. We gotta we gotta do a deep dive to the whole series. By that time you finish, everybody else probably already been been done finished. So we gotta do a deep dive into the whole series. Mm-hmm. When you finish, when you finish uh, the last episode, cause I think it's only eight. So when you do that last one, we gotta do a deep dive throughout the whole series, the whole series overview. Cause that first, that first uh, season, woo, man. Yep, I'm anxious for that. And of course, um, we got the season three of the boys coming up soon. I don't know. I gotta double check when the release date for that is, but and knowing that Jensen Ackles is joining the cast for that, yeah. I mean, it's so weird. You see, like pictures of him now. It's weird seeing him with a beard. It's like, damn, Dean Winchester got all grizzled. <laughs> he even got old on me. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was watching, um. I was watching like Supernatural, like I was just randomly flicking. Uh, I had TNT still on, uh, still on from the night before from watching uh, uh, AEW. No, from watching basketball, I think it was. So when I turned the TV on the next morning, Supernatural was on, and it was like season one. Oh jeez. Um, when uh, Sam and Dean's uh dad uh died, he made that deal and uh. I think that was season two, actually. Yeah. Huh? I think that was season two. It was like the opener of season two. I thought that was season one. No, season one, his da- their dad's missing. In the end of the season, they find him. Oh, yeah, so that, that was season two. Okay, dude, you look at the two of them. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Do you look at them now and you're like, damn, dude. How long have we been on this ride with these two? Yeah. 
And you know, that one, it took a while for me to, to, for the show to grow on me in the beginning. But man, once it did, it, I didn't look back. Dude, I, I, I done because it was different. Mm-hmm. You know, I and mean, I'm, I'm, I'm into that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I dug it. I dug it. And the more I watched it, the more it grew, and the, you just grew with the characters. Mm-hmm. And man, the, the new characters they added on and stuff. And oh God, yeah. The twist and all, oh, bro, it was just so good. Like that ride, dude. That was like. That's like going to the amusement park. That's your favorite freaking ride. You just gotta ride it all the time. It, that's what Supernatural was, dude. It was it good. Was like, it was good at making you care about those characters. Exactly. Spot on. I mean, when um, when Dean made the deal with the Crossroad Demon to save Sam's life, when and God, when Bobby just. Ye- yelling his head off at Dean for making the deal. Yep. And you just you loved how Bobby was like more than just a friend for them. He was basically the right. father the father they didn't Dude, have. I was just about to say that. Get out of my head, Charlie. <laughs> he was like the de facto dad, dude. Yeah. And that I mean, and then like like from season two onward, I was just all in with that. I mean, you had all the feels when their dad escaped hell and they took down Yellow Eyes. Yep. And just that whole part with Dean saying, that was for our mom. I was like, man. God, the, it was this season, I think, or last... No, it was this season before last where um, their dad was brought back and they got to have that one good moment. With their yeah. with their dad and their mom, and when they told their dad what they needed to do, that he had to go back because it was screwing up the timeline for them. Yeah. And, and his dad, their dad was just totally on board with. It. He said, "Well, it's between me or your mom. Of course, it's always your mom." And that he actually, they kind of, he kind of made amends with both of them. And even said how proud he was of the both of them. It's like, see, before Jeffrey Dean Morgan was Negan, to me, he was killing it as John Winchester. Right. So, and, um... Season 3, we'll never know what it could have ended up being, because how Season 3 ended, that wasn't originally how it was going to end. The writer strike screwed things up. That's what I hear. Yeah, because it wasn't supposed to end with Dean in hell. But, um... Yeah, that, that kind of walked me right there, man. Yeah. And, I'll, you know, here's where I'll give them credit. Doing the whole bringing in angels, that was a risky move. You gotta admit, that was risky. But it worked. It did work, man. Ooh, bro, like, uh, at first I didn't know how to feel about that. Yeah. But then when they executed it, mm-hmm. I was into it. I was like, dude, these cats ain't messing around. Yep. But then when they, like you said, with the characters they started to bring in, I mean, you, you introduced Castiel, you introduced Crowley. 
Bruh, that's gotta be like hands down one of my top tier villains of all time, dude. Freaking Crowley was just so damn entertaining. I know. Dude. You just loved to hate him. Right. You would just like some of the stuff like some of the stuff he would say, you just died laughing. Mm-hmm. And then some of the stuff he would do. Yeah. Like he just did zero Fs. And you were just cracking up laughing at him one minute. And then you were like, oh, you dirty some B. The next one, bro, he was just so good. Yep. I loved when uh, they had the one crossroad demon that was going back on the deals. Like killing the people off quickly. And when Crowley had shown up and Dean and Sa- Sam and Dean threatened to kill the demon. And Crowley just says, oh, please, don't let him off that easy. <laughs> and he goes, we have one rule. Make a deal, keep it. This is a Wall Street, this is hell. I was laughing at that. But I loved how awkward Castiel was. Yeah, bro. I mean, nothing beats when he goes, I don't understand. If the pizza man loves this woman so much, why is he spanking her bottom? <laughs> <laughs> and Dean saying, first off, you don't watch porn with other guys in the room. Second, you don't talk about porn when you're watching it with other guys in the room. <laughs> and then Castiel looks down and goes, something's happening. And Dean goes, oh, great, the angel's got a boner. <laughs> I was just dying laughing with that one. And I'll tell you, one character they pulled a 180 on for me. Like, I hated her, but then fi- somehow found a way to like her. Meg. Like, I hated her because I blame she was the reason Ellen and Joe died. But th- that scene when they're trying to get Sam's soul back and they use her as an interrogator for Crowley. I was like, man. <laughs> I was like, I didn't think they'd have me rooting for her. Yeah. And that always broke I hated that when Ellen and Joe died. Especially Joe. I always loved when she's playing Ario Speedwagon and said Kevin Cronin sings from the heart and Dean goes, he sings from the hair. There's a difference. <laughs> and... And later, Dean's actually singing Can't Fight This Feeling, and Sam goes, you're kidding me, right? Yeah. (laughs) And God, that soundtrack throughout that whole series. Dude, that soundtrack was so crucial, man. I loved it. Yep. To this day, I've never been able to look at Carry On My Wayward Son without thinking of that show. Never. Never. Same goes with uh, Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. Because I always think of that part with Dean saying, Bon Jovi rocks on occasion. <laughs> he was so particular about his music, man. From the first episode, I still remember, Dean, can we do something about, the, about this cassette collection? What's wrong with it? How about the fact they're cassettes? <laughs> like, Skinner, Bon Jovi, it's... It's like the gold collection of mullet rock. And, oh, and then season four when Dean got back into the car, he goes, what the hell is that? 
It's an iPod jack. You're supposed to take care of the car, not douche her up. <laughs> and then he turns on the car and it's playing some easy listening song and Dean just goes, really? Then he unplugs it and throws it in the back seat. And, you know, just like with Full Metal Alchemist, you you admire the bond between the two the two brothers. Like you just know the, the the two of them would live and die for each other. Right. That's what that's what that's what that's what, you know, made the show stick out so much. You had all the supernatural stuff and the detective work and the action and stuff, but they actually had the bond between the brothers. It was the glue. Mm -hmm. They would do anything for each other. And they had this problematic past with their parents and everything. And it it all was just like a perfect storm of a show. And mm -hmm. it they they knocked it out of the park. Not to see not to mention all the cast of characters they had. They just knocked out their they played their positions. They knocked out their parts. Mm -hmm. It was a great ride. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it was hard seeing a lot of characters that we loved had had to that they end up killing off like Charlie, Bobby. Yeah, taking the oh man. Oh, the Bobby's one hurt. That one hurt that like hell. Hurt. And especially when you saw he was a ghost. <clears throat> and when you found out that Bobby was actually in hell. And Sam had to bust him out. And it, like when, when Sam told him if that he would he would go he would just go up to heaven. He, they already burned his body, and Bobby just said, "Well, I already said my goodbye to you boys before." But, he said, but then saying, "If they give me a rocking chair up there, I'm gonna knock some heads." Yeah, that. That was the one character that was the hardest to let go of because you just loved, you loved what he meant to the boys so much. And man, had you had that guy Chuck go from just being some guy that wrote supernatural books to that he's actually God, and then you go to just hate the hell out of him. Talk about a 180. That was a 180. And thankfully, Supernatural, when it ended, that was one of those shows where I was happy with the, fin with the finale. I like what they did, man. Like, cool, man. I was, like, when they, when, they, when they get ready to announce these these season finales and they got two episodes left, one episode left, you're kind of like, please don't end like this show. Please don't end like this show. Please don't end like this show. <laughs> Right, I was so worried. I was worried. I was like, please don't give it a bad ending. But it didn't. Yeah, yeah, it end with the boys. Just in in a in a mat in a way, just riding off. And I liked yeah, that. Yeah, like I like like I like I didn't did it, man. You like you were like oh. At first you were like oh man, they didn't kill no boy. But then you like you know they they have. Man, they had Sam live out the rest of his life, and the whole time, Dean is waiting for him. And right. the way they did it, like, man, it was just, 
fitting. Like it's like they haven't done anything like that before on a show, and the way they did it was sort of poetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the every, in the end everything was all okay. Right. And that's what I liked about that. <clears throat> And they didn't kill Chuck, but they found a diff, a much more fitting way to punish him. Having Jack become the new god. And leaving leaving Chuck as a mortal. That that to me was fitting. And it was also crazy how with that series how you made angels evil. Like, first you had that one girl, Anna, that was good, but she was fallen. Then, all of a sudden, she turns on the boys. Yeah, that was, that was kind of wild. Yeah. I did like when she appeared in Dean's dream. And she goes, so this is what you dream about? He goes, okay, this is awkward. Don't worry, people. We're not going to keep you too, too long. Nah. But, but yeah, that that was one of the better shows. All right, closing thoughts that I got for the night. As of today, I have five days left in my 30s. Heaven help me. But also, big thank you to AEW for Double or Nothing because I had forgotten what that rush felt like after watching a good pay-per-view. And that's really all I got. T5, what about you? Um, uh, I'd like to give uh, our brother, our twin, JP, a nice shout-out. Um, he's fixing to go through some surgery in a, in a little bit. Uh, we're all, we're all got our thoughts and prayers and healing energy and well wishes. We all got your back like a chiropractor, bro. Uh, um, we wish for you speedy recovery, so you come back and and uh, and and hit us up with some of that knowledge, so we can do do some more Wonder Twin, Wonder Twin commentary on here. So, well, uh, we would like to give you a shout out, show you some love, everybody, y'all in the group. Pass that on. You might want to pass that on uh, in the group. Uh, anything else y'all got, dude? Like thoughts? Uh, any any uh list y'all want to do in the group in the comment section or whatever? We love y'all feedback. We love your letters, emails, whatever, dude. Like, this is a community. This is not just a show. It's a community, man. Y'all, uh, y'all holler at us. Let us know what y'all think. Let us know what's on your mind. Exactly. I mean, we've so far we've had Matty Ice and D-Town give us some pretty good emails. Keep them coming, but we want to hear from the rest of you guys, too. Most definitely, yeah. Let us know what y'all think. Do y'all think WWE sucks? 
Do you think there's great? They're great. Do you think it's room for improvement? Do you think AEW sucks? Do you think they're room for improvement? Is there some wrestling that we have we don't talk about that you would like to hear about? You want to hear more about MLW? You want to hear more about ROH or whatever? Whatever. Is there some stuff? Comic books, anime. What do y'all want to talk about? What's on y'all mind? Holler for a dollar. There's some movies y'all want to talk about? Music? Shit, we love music, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. We're all over the place. Yep. Especially me. We're all over the damn place with music, dude. So, yeah, whatever y'all want to talk about, whatever on your mind, whatever kind of topics y'all might want to cross or cover, holler at us, shoot us a holler. Absolutely. So, we'll be back the next week. So, until then, he's Travis Smith. I'm Sean Williams. This has been Variety Bites, and we out of here. Cheers. Cheers. still here it's over go home go